Welcome to the Wise Guys Podcast. Wise Guys is your home to interact with the worldwide community of BYU fans in a variety of ways. We're your hosts, Dave McCann and Blaine Fowler. What you're about to hear is the audio recording from our weekly live broadcast. We invite you to join us for the show live every week to chat with us and with other BYU fans. You can find the schedule and watch live at wiseguys.com. That's ysguys.com. Thanks for listening and go Cougs. Tuesday night, the Wise Guys are here. It's election night. I vote for you. I hope you vote for me. I voted for you. Dave McCann, Blaine Fowler, the Wise Guys. We got so much going on. I wrote you in for like a bunch of stuff. (laughs) (laughs) I got elected as class clown my senior year. Well, I, didn't, I didn't really appreciate that, but I think I earned it. I put you in as treasure. The one thing I was most important is I put you in as treasure. Oh, nice. So, so that you could nice. take care of the money. And I, I put you in as deep thinker. Is there, yeah. Was there an election for that? Every, every, every office should have a deep thinker oh, okay. <laughs> since they think so little. Uh, so anyway, it's election night around America, and we are uh, your break from all of that. Yes. And we've got so much to talk about tonight. Let's start with Spencer Johnson's buzzer beater last night with 11 point whatever seconds to play. Uh, Save the day for BYU against Idaho State. They play at San Diego State Friday night. Aztecs are number 19. We'll talk about that coming up. Yeah, crazy, crazy night. And then... How about a crazy weekend, really? Because we're going to include Monday night as part of the weekend. But uh, what can you say about Puka Nakua and his performance that hasn't already been said? Um, we'll we'll try our best to recap that victory at Boise State um, ahead of the bye week for BYU. Um, we'll also hear from head coach Kalani Sataki uh, tonight on the show. We're going to show the picture of the week here in a couple of moments. Yes. Uh, the art of playing safety we're talking about tonight. We'll visit with former BYU safety Kellen Fowler. Appreciate him coming in. Yeah, he can get, he probably could give Alfrey a few pointers. It's not very often that a freshman's back there playing. Well, even even Micah Harper back there, uh, and we'll ask about. We'll have him assess the whole defense. Yeah, absolutely, for sure. He's an expert at that. Yeah, yep, and the former uh, Cougar and uh, well, former BYU Cougar and current bass guitarist for the Neon Trees, Brandon Campbell, is going to be in here. That's going to be as really in, cool. He's, is he bringing the guitar? He's bringing his guitar and. We believe he's going to play Rise and Shout on his bass yes. guitar. We've had it on the saxophone with Caleb Chapman, and tonight, uh, and I talked about it uh, to him today, and he said, yeah, I'm still trying to figure out how to do that, but he's bringing it in. That's and awesome. so that's coming up just Pretty a bit. Fun. He's had a, a, a rough year. The band's getting ready to get back out on the road, and we'll talk about that. Soccer's getting ready for the NCAA tournament and their opening round match. Details on that. Yeah, and hey, how about this crazy, strange development Um it's out of the University of Pacific. Most of you have probably read about this. If you haven't, we're going to fill you in on this. But the Tigers canceled their scheduled volleyball game against BYU, um, scheduled to be here yeah, in the Smith Thursday. Field House. And we're, we're going to talk a little bit about that. I'm still ticked off about it. Yeah, yeah, it's a total joke. Uh, but we'll we'll, we'll get in, we'll get into it more. Yeah, and it's a it's a it's a big thing and a small thing, and now it's back. And anyway, they're not playing volleyball Thursday night. So, yeah, that's coming up. Let's show you the picture of the week as we roll out our headlines. Parker's going to put it up. Puka Nakua, look at this. This is the touchdown that won the game up at Boise State Saturday night. Uh, <laughs> just stare at it for a moment. Uh, those of you on the podcast will try to describe it. He's, uh, he's basically uh, horizontal from the ground, ready to hit the field. He's got his toe down in the end zone, which is what they looked at to determine if it was a catch or not. And this catch right here, uh, Puka's catch saved the season. Um, maybe put him in the NFL. 
and, uh, and, and restored some hope to the entire football program with that win. Yeah, Puka had 14 receptions, 157 yards, and two touchdowns, and they were both pretty spectacular. Yeah. The first one was uh, right on the, on the same sideline right there, right on that same part of the end zone. He got two feet in, backing out. This one was more spectacular because of what was on the line at the end of the game. And it was fourth, fourth and down. six yeah, from and the this, six. And, and I thought he may have gotten in, but I didn't know. I, we got to hand it to the officials for getting the call right on the field. They ruled that it was a touchdown. And then it wasn't until after the game when this still photo came out. What a magnificent photo. But when the still photo came out where he went, oh, okay. All he had to do is all you got to do is just little tiny tap of that right toe, which clearly here he has. And uh, and so the officials got it right. We were surprised because they got a lot wrong during yeah, the yes, game, they did. but they and, got and that one right. In real time, they got this one right, and then they went to the – the cameras and they, they didn't they didn't confirm it on video, but they just said the call stands. Um, and I'm a little bit worried that had they not called that a touchdown, they would not have been able to overrule that. Yeah, and that would have been a travesty because this still would have come out later, and everybody would have been complaining that they cost him like three different times. <laughs> we would have been talking about something else. Exactly. How about uh, Jaron Hall, 29 of 42. He threw two picks, but 377 yards, career high, three touchdowns. He rushed, uh, rushed 12 for 82, which was the leading rusher on the team, and a touchdown. Uh, he appears to be healthy. He appears to be back. Yeah, we on AFR, and if, for those of you that just watched AFR, the last hour, thanks for doing that and then coming and joining us here. But you saw some throws from the right hash all the way to the left sideline on a rope. Clearly, he was not 100% healthy in past weeks. Even though they're not using any excuses and everybody says he was fine, those throws weren't coming out like that two or no. three weeks ago. And he was clearly back healthy again. He was running like he felt healthy. And when he's running the football, that makes a huge difference for BYU. They're, they're not, you can't defend him when he's involved in the run game like that. When he's throwing it as accurate and, was, and with as much velocity as he was, and he's running around. How about that, that quarterback draw early where he just took off and went yeah. 49 yards? It was a beautiful thing. So, yeah, he's back. He's healthy. Wish, wish he was 100% healthy for Notre for, Dame, uh, for Notre Dame and, for, and some of these others. It's a shame that he wasn't because when he's 100%, he is really, really gifted. Hinkley Rapati. Who? Hinkley Rapati, yeah, fifth string again. running back. Keep saying that because I think we're going to see a lot of Hinkley 110 Rapati. total yards and a big touchdown in the fourth quarter. And he looked like a running back. He just wasn't one of the guys. He got the ball and was like, well, where has he been? Yeah, and he's... He is built like a lot of the guys in the NFL where he's low to the ground, low pad level. Running backs aren't typically tall guys because you don't want a lot of surface for them to be hit. You want their pad level to be really low. He's 5'9 and, and at least 215 pounds, maybe a little bit more. And fast. And, and really put together. Like his, his arms make mine look like twigs. And he's got great quickness, and he's got... Um, I don't know if a, I'd go with twigs, well, but I get yeah. your point. But he's No, he's a big dude, and he's <laughs> able to change direction. He was a, just a ray of sunlight in this game on Saturday, and um, 110 total yards. I, I think we're going to see a lot of him. The, the knock on him going in was, in practice, he just had an, an, a pension for turning the ball over. Yeah. And, putting it, and, and then remember the first play he played where he got into a game a couple weeks ago, he fumbled the ball. I against think the coaches all went, dang it, that's exactly what we were worried about. But guess what? He touched the ball a bunch of times in this game, and he did not turn no, it over. Didn't. So just keep giving him the ball. That's I what I we're say. Gonna, we're going <laughs> to see him some more. Uh, one interesting stat, yards after the catch for BYU's receivers and Rapati, 
hundred or uh, two hundred nine yards. Yeah, so that's Jer- big. Jer- and and keep in mind that Boise State's were uh, around eighty. So Boise State caught the ball. BYU's defense rallied and they and they tackled the players where they caught the ball for BYU. Jaron get the ball out, get it out on time to playmakers in space. They would make people miss and get and get big big plays. That's a lot of yards after catch. Yeah. How about the sack stat? BYU's five and zero oh when they get a sack. They're zero oh and five when they don't. They got one sack on Saturday, and they got to win. They got to win. And you and I talked about it, it, typically when you get a sack or two in a game, that then that also translates to you've had better pressure in that game all around. And and we talked about this on AFR today as well. And by the way, you can go back and watch it anytime yeah. you want if you didn't watch it last hour. It's great family viewing. Yeah, you can you can stream it and watch it Saturday morning live if you want to be OETV. But um, there was a lot better pressure on the quarterback. So they got the sack, but they also consistently got pressure on the on the young quarterback Green. So now it's a bye week, but the Utah Tech game, which we laughed at uh, for some time, now all of a sudden that's a game where BYU can go in there. We, we've always expected them to win, and of course it's still possible because something crazy could happen. But now they go in there with a, a motive of get bowl eligible with a win, and it's on BYU TV, so that's a win for everybody. Yeah, and it's a se- it's senior day, and you want to send everybody out on a positive, and you want everybody to get a chance to play. I think BYU is going to come out really motivated. They're going to get bowl eligible. They're already now a favorite um, when you look at all two weeks down or three weeks down the line at Stanford. They're favored, yeah. and the ESPN Power Ratings has them winning that game. Um, and everything if they if they lost to Boise, I bet I bet everybody would have them. Right. Winning the Utah Tech game, but not winning the Stanford game, and they wouldn't be bowl eligible. But I think bowl eligibility comes against Utah Tech, and then I think they're very likely to go in on a roll and take care of Stanford on the road to, to end it Thanksgiving weekend. A little zip in their step, Parker. Will you put up that uh, graphic? Speaking of Utah Tech again, it's uh, Saturday on um, the nineteenth at three thirty Eastern time. Which means that was our, there we go. We'll talk about it after further review in just a bit. So here's the guys. So game days at one thirty Eastern. That's eleven thirty Mountain from Cougar Canyon. We'll be out there, and then midway through, you and I will go up to the booth because the game's on BYU TV. We'll call that one, and then have the live post game show. You, then you and I have a basketball game later that night, but we'll get to that as we get closer. Uh, but that's a super day on when, BYU it's, TV. It's going to be phenomenal. We have a doubleheader, football and basketball. Whenever I see this graphic, I. I don't know why you're cooking the football, and and what is that seasoning that you have in your hand that you've been putting on the football? That's well, always a little confusing. That's special. Me. That's a special salt that that goes with leather. Okay. And um. And who am I pointing at, and why am I yelling? That's my other know. question. I don't know. You know what's not typical is uh well, what is typical is there's David Nixon and Brian Logan sitting down doing nothing. Yep, that's normal. That's that. That's our show <laughs> right there. Uh, but we're looking forward to that super day at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. So here's the big question, uh, and Kellen Fowler is going to join us here in a couple minutes. Uh, Utah Tech, is that the last game at home for Puka Nakua and Jaron Hall? They're both technically juniors. They could come back for another year and play in the Big 12 uh, or they could go take their shot at the uh, NFL. What do you think? Are we going to see them beyond? Three, three weeks ago, I would have said, no, they're coming back. Neither of them are healthy. They've got to have a healthy season. Now I just watched last Saturday's game, and I'm going, okay, they're obviously both 100% healthy. Yeah. And I feel like if they go out on a roll, so if they have a, a great first half against Utah Tech and then sit down, and they and then they both play extremely well uh, against Stanford and then have a, a fine bowl game, um, then, then I think they probably both, they certainly could go out. The only thing that changes that now 
is if you feel like you have unfinished business with NIL deals, you don't have to you don't have to be desperate for money. You don't have to say, right. "Oh, I've got to live on $800 a month for another year. I'm not going to do it. I'm going to go make a living." There's ways to to financially be secure, get an insurance policy and come back if you feel like you want to play in the Big 12. Cuz if you go and take your shot and get cut, that's it. Right. And that happened to a bunch of guys two years ago, yeah. that really good team that went, that are no longer in football. And so, yeah, NIL change, it's not quite as, if there was no NIL, then I would say, well, they have to go out. Like, you've got to go. You can't come back and take the risk of getting injured. With NIL and with the, the insurance that's available out there, it's not a done deal. I think it's probably likely yeah. that they're both gone. Puka's not just an NFL guy. He's like an NFL starting wide receiver. He's that good. And Jaron's the way he threw the ball again Saturday, and and looks like he did. He's a bona fide NFL quarterback. It's so. just a shame that uh, that they weren't healthy for Notre Dame. I know because Notre Dame's although they look great against Clemson, they're not that great, and they couldn't stop BYU's passing attack when when Hall got into rhythm. Um, and I just think a healthy Hall and a healthy Puka hey, about, could have stolen the show on national TV. How about a healthy Hall, a healthy Puka, and a healthy Gunner, which we thought we were going to have all year yeah. long. And then, and then a healthy Wilgar and a healthy <laughs> Thule. Like, like, it's just, yeah. Well, think about it. Uh, BYU started a, a group that beat Baylor on September 10th. And then they started a completely different group for the most part. 12 different guys in the yeah. starting lineup against Boise State and beat Boise State. And a lot of trouble in between. But um, that's what they've had S- to get seven through. Seven different guys on defense. Yeah, seven, entire different secondary. Seven different different guys. Who does on that? Defense. Who? Why does and, that happen and not to BYU? Because they wanted to. By yeah. the way, not no. because they wanted to. So, so that that's what they've been dealing with. And and I wrote an article in the Deseret News yesterday, which I did read it was about very good. Uh, Chef Kalani. Yes, he cooked up he cooked up a victory with with completely different ingredients than than Baylor. And I don't know if everyone really appreciates that. No, because that's just, hard. Everybody to do. just gets upset when they're going through the struggle and trying to figure out how to get it done and. And then when they win, everybody just forgives it all and says it's all great. Yeah, winning is <laughs> winning is awesome. All right, a couple of basketball notes before we we visit with Kellen. The I uh, hope you saw the season opener last night against Idaho State. Uh, for for the for the first hour and forty minutes, it was like, are you kidding me right now? What is now? going on? Yeah. And, then, and at one point, I think it was almost halftime. It was like fourteen to thirteen. No one could hit a shot. Then all of a sudden, Idaho State's up by eight down the stretch. And then BYU comes alive, and Spencer Johnson, who's the story of that game, after 62 games coming off the bench, he makes his first career start. Didn't play great until the end when he was great and hit the game-winning shot. So, and, and what we found out after the fact is that they got in the huddle, and Mark Pope started to sit down to drop a play, and Spencer Johnson said out loud, I will make the shot. And Mark Pope looked up to him and said, all right, then. That's what we're going to do. And they drew up a play. He went Jimmy Chitwood for, yeah, on the whole situation. He went Jimmy Chitwood. I'll make the shot. Because Spencer, evidently, he was thinking in his head, we're not shooting great threes, but I haven't attempted one in this game. And I'll knock down a three. I've worked. He said to us afterward, I've really worked on that three-point shot, and I knew it was going in. So he said in the huddle, I'll take the shot. And Mark said, you know what? I'll tell you who I want the ball in the hands of. I want the ball in the hands of the guy that thinks he's going to make the shot. Yeah. So he drew up a play, and it actually was designed um, for him to attack. But when when the guy went under the screen, he bounced it back and 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 uh, had the he bounced back on the other side of Foose and knocked down that three like he meant to do it. 
And like he planned on making it. Plays went nuts. And then he gets a key rebound and hits two more free throws with like a second to go. BYU wins it by 460 to 56. We were talking on uh, Sports Nation this morning and they're the guys were asking, well, is, is it too early to overreact or this or that? And Yes, it is. And, and we're like, well, there's 31 games. We get 31 reactions, yeah. whether they're this or they're that. And, uh, and my point was you can learn the same things winning uh, as well as losing. So you might as well win and then go back to work. Hey, Mark Pope's given us fair warning, too. He said, like, there's going to be some growing pains. There's a lot of new faces. We're getting ready to go into the Big 12, and we're going to play a completely different style of offense. And we're going to have some turnovers early. And my goodness, did they have some turnovers yesterday. It was like uh, 20, what, 23? I'll, I'll tell you 24? who I love. I love that Dallin Hall, the freshman, return missionary, comes off the bench, yeah. plays significant minutes in the second half, and plays turnover-free in the second half. When turnovers were the norm for both teams. 20-plus from both teams. Foose had 15 points, 11 boards. They just struggled at the rim. They could not get a shot they, to go they, down. They had wide open threes all night long and couldn't even, like, they were just clanking hard off the rim. Gideon George had 10. Kobe Lee was back with Idaho State and an emotional night. You could tell he went 0 for 4. A uh, little bit nervous, but yeah. hey, and we love Pick Kobe. Up five we, rebounds. We visit with him afterwards. and uh, He and Kayla are having a, a son, their first kid uh, this spring, and and it's uh, it's great to see he's working on his masters yep. up at uh, Idaho good, State. It's good stuff for the Lee family. Big test come Friday night. Yeah, Friday night, San Diego State, number nineteen at San Diego State in Viejas, um, ten thirty Eastern, eight thirty Mountain. It's on the Mountain West Network and BYU Radio. Um, the Aztecs beat Fullerton at home Monday night. That score was eighty to fifty seven. Now BYU's beaten. Uh, they they defeated San Diego State in back to back seasons. Which is not... So we got that going for yeah, us. Yeah, well, which means that San Diego State's not going to be happy, and this is a young BYU yeah. team. It makes me a little nervous. <laughs> Cougars are back at the Marriott Center on Wednesday the 16th against Missouri State. That's 9 Eastern, 7 Mountain, and we'll have that one. You and I'll call that on BYU TV. Going on right now over in Fort Collins is the women's season opener, uh, BYU at Colorado State, and the debut of Amber Whiting. First time since, what, how many years since Jeff oh, Judkins man. wasn't on the sideline um, in fact, he was an assistant when Whiting was there. Right. Um, just forever ago, Juddy had such a spectacular career. We're still working on getting him to come on this show and yep. talk about how, how cool he is. But uh, that's going on. We'll update you. Uh, Colorado State. And then the, the women are home for Montana State, 4 Eastern, 2 Mountain on BYU TV on Saturday afternoon. So, all right, so as, as Kellen comes in and takes his seat, uh, I want to remind you to follow us on YouTube. We'll put the link in the chat. If it's not there already, please hit the subscribe button. It's free. Click the bell. You'll get notifications whenever we post something new or go live. The more subscribers we get, the longer we get to do this show, which is which is something we plan to do for a long, long time. And then we're, we're there for you on Twitch. Uh, to make your free account, click on the chat button in the lower right of the screen and then sign up for free to follow us. And then at ysguys.com, you hit the... Uh, just subscribe to the weekly email, and then you get highlights. So whatever interesting thing Kellen's about to say will right. be chopped up and then sent to you in our weekly email. It's Hey, and by the way, we don't care how you do it. We don't care if you do YouTube, Twitch, um, right at the site, ysguys.com. We don't care how you do just Just get on there and follow us someplace so that we can grow this thing and keep it going for a long, long time. So. Brendan Campbell, bass guitarist for Neon Tree, is going to join us a bit later tonight. Our first guest went 15-3 and three as a starter at Safety. For BYU during the second half of the 2007 season, 
all of 2008. Max Hall quarterbacked the offense. Kellen Fowler quarterbacked the defense. And it's our pleasure to welcome Blaine's oldest son to the Wise Guys. This is a family first. Good to have you here. Thanks for, thanks for having me. It's really exciting to are, be here. Are you the smartest football player in the history of BYU? And it goes back to 1922. <laughs> that, you're setting quite a bar there. <clears throat> I think I can Well, we're going to lower the bar later, so we like to set it up high. <laughs> there are a lot of smart guys that have come through there. I, I did my best. How and, smart uh, do you have to be to be a good safety? It's a, it's a tough question, actually. And, and to do a good job in that role... Not only do you have to know your own assignment, you have to execute with excellence, but there's a lot of coaching that goes on for the guys that are around you, trying to make sure that the defense is lined up well, that all the right callers are made, that everybody knows their responsibilities. That's uh, that's not a small task. And so you typically see some guys back there who are a little bit more cerebral. Well, they're the quarterback of the defense, right? It's what they say. So you break the huddle and and explain to everybody, you break the huddle and the safety usually goes back behind everybody. So you're looking at at uh, their eleven and and the other ten, right? So you're looking at you're looking at this group, and your job is to make sure that your guys are in the right spot. So don't you have to be what you, you're the commander back there? Uh, a little bit. And I, one of the things that I love about football, people will talk about the different sports and the things that you can learn in different sports. And a lot of people will say football is the ultimate team sport because it really is. There's no other sport that you play where you play for six seconds and then stop for 40 seconds and strategize and, <laughs> and all group together and say, okay, what are we going to do next? There's six seconds of explosive activity, then a lot of planning. And uh, to make sure that that planning actually plays out on the field, there's a lot of real-time adjustments that are made. And when you're standing back there at safety, you do your best in the huddle to get a call that you think is going to match up against the offensive call. But when they come out and they line up, it it's open game at that point. It's open season. They may line up how you thought they were going to line up. They may line up entirely differently. And as a defense, you got to be able to react and all be on the same page or else you're going to leave big, uh, big opportunities for the offense. You know, we, you know that we work with your buddy Dave Nixon, and, and uh, when you were playing, um, you had Dave Nixon up there. You had Brian Keel up there at linebacker in front of you. Let's see, Cam Jensen played in the middle at, at part of the time. Who else played middle while you were? We had Matt Bauman in there. That's right, Matt, really smart guy. Did those guys like getting bossed around by you? <laughs> well, it's funny because Dave and, and Brian in particular are two of my close friends to this day. Yeah. We like to tease them that for Corby Hodgkiss and Scott Johnson and myself <laughs> and the guys who were back behind, it was our job to make them look right, whatever they did. Yeah. We had to be able to recognize it and fill in on the other sides. But uh, I, we, we held our own. Let's put it let, that let, way. Let's explain that, though, because people don't understand, um, especially in Broncos defenses, but I think it's the same today. As things get passed back back through the defense, it's, it's the safety's job to make it all right. So if you make a call um, in the huddle and you come out and you stick with that call on the field, and then Dave Nixon just does his own thing, or Brian Keel more likely does his own thing, right? You have to counter what he's doing. It may not even be the play, right? How, how does that all play out? Yeah, it's it's one of the things, again, going back to why football is the greatest sport. There's a plan, and then there's everything that happens after the plan. Everybody has a plan until they get punched in the mouth, right? Mike and, Tyson. And, right. As soon as that play starts, uh, a lot of big, strong people are crashing into each other trying to make things happen. But a defense has to have gap integrity and assignment sound execution, or you're going to get going to give up big plays. And so... When uh, a tight end tries to reach block and Brian Keel thinks, I, I can see the running back. I'm going to go underneath. I'm going to get him there. 
but he's supposed to have force as the safety. Sometimes you got to see, okay, I see what Brian's doing. I'm going to go fill on the outside and turn that ball back in. And I think that was one of the things that was really great about our defenses. And we, we had some good defenses while I played. We had some talented players. We had a, a really high level of effort and accountability that we had among the team for that the, the kind of excellence that we expected, but we really played together. And uh, most games, when we lined up, if we were having a track meet against the team we were playing, we were getting run off the track in no time. But when it came to football, we were really sound, and, and we were able to play some solid defense. How did uh, playing quarterback in high school prepare you to play safety at BYU? Yeah, I think there's a lot of similarities there. Like you said, trying to quarterback the defense, being able to, to think through things and understand what you're seeing and make adjustments that would help the team succeed, and then being being vocal. I think that's people underestimate sometimes how hard it is to get everybody on the same page, and there's a lot of hand signals out there, but a lot of the time you're just yelling at people. You're trying to make sure that everybody knows what's going on and that everybody's on the same page, and so there was definitely a fair amount of that in our defenses. And, and under Broncos' scheme, the, there's a lot of – uh, responsibility that's put on the safeties to make sure that everybody's lined up. And that was a responsibility that I think myself, uh, Scott Johnson, Andrew Rich, Corby Hodgkiss, Quinn Gooch before me, that, that was a, a responsibility that we all took very seriously. You know, these guys, um, the teams that, that Kellen, where he was starting in the back end, the bowl games, they played in back-to-back -back Las Vegas Bowls. One year they play at UCLA. And and they get a last second block field goal to win that one. Then the next the next year they play Arizona and Kellen sets a Las Vegas Bowl record for tackles in the Arizona game. That's not a good thing. No, they ran you're, right you're through everyone else. It's not supposed to set we a record that game. for tackles. And that <laughs> that team just happened to have the Gronkowski brothers that were running around. So Kellen had a, to run around and chase both Gronkowskis around all game long. And our plan wasn't that good in that game, was it? Yeah, and it was just one of those ones. I think it's a good example of what happens when we when you have gaps in your assignment soundness as a defense. And there were some things that they did scheme-wise where they were running uh, the the fullback Gronkowski through the middle of the, of the defense. And for us, we had some people who weren't picking up on their assignments. And so there were several times where I was looking around saying, oh, my gosh, these look like twins, and they're both open. I don't know what I'm supposed <laughs> to do here. And uh, that that ends up in a little bit of a headache at the end of the night. Let's put so it that way. How hard is it for uh, Micah Harper, who is a redshirt freshman playing safety, to uh, be able to do all that a senior safety gets to do by having the credibility of yelling and telling people to get in the right spots? And back here you got like one of the youngest guys on the defense trying to do that. I don't even know if the older guys listen to a young guy when they're getting bossed around, but it seems like when you're playing somebody so young back there, you're asking for trouble. I, I think it's, it's two things. First off, it's a tremendous credit to him and the preparation that he has. I mean, for most people coming in as a freshman, just being physically yeah. prepared to get on the field is a big deal. And so, you know, props to him for being prepared for that. Second, they can't put you out there if you can't execute your assignments. And so even though he's trying to stitch together a lot of things, he's been able to, to make some plays, to be assignment sound enough that the coaches trust him to be out there. And then I think that gives him a great opportunity. Playing this young and having that experience gives him a great opportunity to really develop into a tremendous leader in the future. He, he's going to be able to draw on a lot of experience. He's going to be able to look out at, at an offense that walks up to the line in the future and say, oh, I've, I've seen something like this before. I've been in a game like this before. This is nothing. This is just routine for me. And that's, that's really impressive. But it is, uh, I think, 
again, a defense that trusts each other makes a big difference in their ability to perform. And so for the rest of those guys, it doesn't matter whether it's a freshman, somebody fresh off the bus, or whether it's somebody who's been there for five years. If you don't have that trust and you're not aligned on the same page, you're going to give up big plays. What, what do you like most about Micah Harper? Um, man, we, it seems like one's flying all over the place out there and, yeah. and making plays. When you watch his game, he's playing the strong, and then you've got Alfrey, another fr- That's Think about that. Not only seven new guys, but you thought you had Malik Moore, a four-year vet at free. Now you got Alfrey, a freshman playing at free, and you got Micah Harper, a redshirt freshman who got hurt last year, playing at strong safety. What do you like about Harper's game, and how hard is it to have two freshman safeties? So I, the thing that I noticed with Harper is that he's not afraid to get in there and mix it up and in run support. And I think for us, we need DBs who can cover, who can, who can lock down on the pass game, but also who can, can support in the run game. And, and he's not afraid to do that. He'll come up, he'll make a solid tackle. He's good in space, which is really hard. People underestimate how hard it is to tackle somebody when there's no one around you. And, and so I think he's done a good job of doing that. And I think to your question about starting two freshman safeties, it just amplifies the issue. There were definitely times uh, in our defenses where if you had somebody who was young or inexperienced, you're looking to somebody else, a, a veteran who's been there before, who's not maybe feeling the nerves as much to help calm things down when you're out there in the hustle and bustle. And right now, those guys look at each other. They're probably both seeing saucers. And so that's uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's, it, it's a great opportunity, again, to get experience for some young guys who are going to be good, who are going to be around here for a while. But it does put some real strain on your defense in the present. Former BYU safety Kellen Fowler's on the Wise Guys tonight. This is a tough interview for your dad because he mostly just wants to talk about how great you are. But we have to back it up into questions, and uh, yeah, yeah. so more of that's going to come out. But that's what dads get to do. You had a taste of both worlds during your time at BYU. During your first two seasons, BYU goes five and seven in two thousand two, and then four and eight, and then you got on. That's one and five at home that season. Then you go on your mission. They fire Gary Croton. You come back. Broncos, the head coach, and then over the next three years, the team wins 32 games. What was the difference? I think that sometimes adversity can be helpful for the mentality of a team. And, and if you look at those, those hard years, really helped uh, develop a hunger and a, a real commitment to putting in the, the extra work day after day after day to try and be better. And there were some unbelievable leaders who emerged from those bad teams that really set the tone for those good teams. And if you look at guys like a John Beck or a Cameron Jensen, a Curtis Brown, uh, Jake Caressa, those are guys who went through a lot of that losing. And uh, I think it shaped the character of the team. And and one thing that I always felt really proud of and, and really gave me a lot of confidence when we took the field, when we started to win again, was that there was – I didn't always look across the line and say, I know we have better athletes than those guys. In fact, in a lot of cases, I looked across the line and said, okay, we've got some great athletes on our side. But again, if this is a track meet, I don't know where my money's going to (laughs) be. But I knew for sure, for sure, and especially with the the level of effort that Bronco demanded and the accountability that he demanded and the standard that he set, that there was no way that team was as prepared as we were for the game. We had practiced harder. We'd watched more film. We were better in our assignments. We had a scheme that was better than their coach's scheme and that we were going to be able to go out there and we were going to be able to outcompete these guys. And that, that you don't get that when you don't have full buy-in from the guys who are out there between the white lines. And I think sometimes a little bit of adversity just resets in your mind how much you're willing to give to the game because losing sucks and nobody wants to go through that. It does suck. 
There's nothing good about <laughs> and, it. And and they've gone through this little <laughs> this little phase this year, and we we've been documenting injuries a little bit that were certainly part of that. But it's almost like losing becomes infectious, and it's hard to climb out of that. Do you see some good from this little skid right now that may help this team as they go into the Big Twelve next year? I I do think there can be some good that comes from it. It depends on how the players react to it. I think there's there's sort of two paths that can happen when you when you experience adversity in football in life. You can back away from it and and sort of shut down a little bit and look for an easy way out. Or you can rise to the occasion and you can say, okay, this is showing us what the standard requires. The level of excellence that we want to achieve here takes work. Nothing worth having comes easy. And I think when we move to the Big 12, there's going to be some challenging weeks. There, there's some fantastic teams, some fantastic coaches, unbelievable talent in that conference. It's not going to be bad for our teams to have experienced a little bit of adversity, to have had to figure out how to flip momentum. And I think this Boise State game that we just had this past weekend, for me, I was really excited to see that that it felt like there was a change in momentum and attitude among the team and that when bad things would happen on the field, they didn't cascade into more bad things and more bad things and more bad things. And then all of a sudden people are scrambling. They're out of position because they're trying to cover for the guy next to them. It seemed like the team held together, fought through the adversity, and that, that enabled them to be in a position to go and win in the second half. Admittedly, our first half was not that clean. We should have been up by a lot. Yeah. We, we dominated those guys and left points all over the field. That's, it's easy to have a half like that and come back in the second half and fold and, and not stick it out and compete. But we went out there, even got down in the fourth quarter, went down, scored the touchdown, got the stop to secure the win. And I think that shows a lot about the character that this, that this team has, that some of that is developed through adversity. You had some adversity, 2006, medical red shirt. Was it a knee, a shoulder? What was it? It was hamstrings. Hamstrings. Post-mission hamstrings. hamstrings. That's right. (laughs) They're a thing, for sure. Uh, A lot of people can attest to those post-mission hamstrings. I interviewed Micah Harper for game day last week, and he had sat out last season along with Cody Epps. Uh, Harper had had a knee. um, And then he said... um, and then Epps is their buddies in the business school, and then Epps is out for the season. and, And I asked him about injuries in football and his quote is cool and I want to get your reaction to it he says football's tough sometimes I just laugh at myself and say man we're crazy to play football it's a dangerous sport but we love it that's what motivates us every day to keep going because we just love the game so in what way does the reward trump the risk of playing it's a really uh that's a really interesting question and we could probably go really deep on that one but it's I, I don't know. There's there's something about dedicating so much time and energy to try and be excellent in something with people who ultimately become your best friends that is really hard to replicate. And the, the years that I spent playing football at BYU are some of the best years in my, in my life. Those guys that I played with, that I played next to, that we went through that adversity, that we won games together, those are still my best friends. And I, I've done a lot of other things since football have never found a way to replicate that kind of brotherhood that you develop and and the the high that comes from running out on the field in front of 65,000 people with the fireworks going off and a chance to go out and give an accounting of the preparation that you've put in because the prep for football is hard. Yeah. Like we said, it's another it's a game that you play once a week, so your practice to game ratio is actually really high uh, indexed towards practice in football and um, it's 
it's really rewarding to work so hard for something and then have an opportunity to, to see it come, come through. And, you know, for me, my grandma Fowler, who I, I love so much and, and passed away a little over a year ago, she used to always ask me from the time I was a kid, are you sure you don't just want to play golf? She <laughs> would say that to all of our kids, by the way. She's grandma a wise Fowler. woman. Yeah, yeah. And she's a huge football fan, yeah. by the way, but she would say that to all the boys. Right? It, it was a little tongue in cheek, but I'm not sure that it entirely was. I think she recognized the risks that come from playing football, but, um, you know, she said it tongue in cheek because she knew how much we love the game. I feel like a lot of the things that I've done in life post football and a lot of the places where I've been able to have successes are based on lessons that I learned in in the game, in being someone who worked hard, someone who probably didn't have everything come easy as a walk on, who was able to earn my way into a scholarship and to, to starting on the field and just learning that tenacity and the grit and the standard that's required, the standard of excellence that's required to get out there and play at that level. Those things have served me well and will continue to serve me well in other things that I do. And so there's there's real value in athletics and, and in sports and in football in particular. You know, we, we talk about, and we still call them student athletes today. I mean, NIL deal changes the way it feels a little bit. Student We're business. Student guys. business athletes, right? So <laughs> yeah. professional student athletes now. Um, but, to, and this is where dad gets to brag a little bit. So, and you mentioned Dave Kellen's one of the most decorated uh, academic athletes. First team academic All-American, NCAA postgraduate scholarship award winner. There's not very many of those. Finalist for the Drady Trophy for the top academic athlete in the country. And then uh, BYU's only Mountain West Conference student athlete of the year across all sports. I was amazed that you're so much like us. I had yes, no idea. exactly. <laughs> so to, to be fair, only male Mountain West Conference student athlete. Right, that's it. true. Because there, there, there was a female yeah. BYU. Who, uh, who's a good friend of mine, so I have to give her props. Yeah. That, that was Lindsay Steele, now that's Lindsay right. Metcalf. Right. So, 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 BYU, so Kellen before. and Lindsay, all the years BYU was in the Mountain West Conference, we only have one female and one male get that award, which I'm a little disappointed in, actually. But... Um, so that gives you this gives you credibility when he asks this question. Um, how how can these guys do this? You had a rigorous academic schedule, um, and and they expect you to be student athletes. You just told us it's five days of practice and a game. How do you balance that um, and and excel in both areas and come out on the other end? Yeah, I think it's it takes a lot of uh, commitment and it takes. Uh, good prioritization skills. When you've got a lot on your plate, you got to figure out what you're going to do, where you're going to invest your time and your energy. And remember, as college students, many of these guys are also trying to date a little bit. They're trying to keep up the social life. And so there, there is a lot on your plate. And I think that um, having sort of predefined to yourself what your standards look like in all of those areas, what what's acceptable, what's your potential, what's your capability, and how hard are you going to push to live up to that capability? For me, all growing up, it was academics first and then, and then athletics. And I never had to miss a game because my grades weren't in line. Yeah. Uh, and, and luckily for me, the academic side came relatively easy. It, it, learning was always easy for me, but it's, it's not always the case for everybody. And I think making, making, those prior, making those priorities and holding yourself accountable to the standard is, is something that takes a lot of work. And it is, it's doable. But it's busy. I mean, I there are not very many people. When I got to law school, I went to law school after I graduated from BYU, and people talked about, "Wow, law school is so hard." I spent so much time studying. Virginia law school. Yeah, w went out to the University of Virginia, where Bronco ended up coaching. Not while I was there, but a beautiful university, yeah. tough law school, highly rated, very competitive. Uh, I think very competitive to get in. Actually, has a awesome collegial atmosphere once you're there. But for me, it was like, wow, this is amazing. I have so much free time here in law school because I've, I've never had this ability to like do some of the things that I'm doing now because the schedule with 
football and school and trying to keep those things on track was just really, really busy. And so it's, it was the only life I knew. It's the only life that most of these student athletes know. And it's, it's a, a real kudos to, to all of us, to all of them for keeping up on, on all that they have to keep up with. Kellen Fowler was second on the team with 88 tackles during BYU's 10 and three season in 2008. Also second on the team with a 35 and a half inch vertical leap. He's our guest on the wise guys. Who was first? Who was first? Yeah, who with jumped, who jumped um, Bryce Mawika. Oh, that's Bryce right. Mawika. Bryce. And I think he was 38 and a half. So wow. he was like He's first like, by a ways. <laughs> but the silver medal stand is fine, you know, especially if the gold medal guy's like second. Yeah, well, why seconds did you ask ahead. me who was first, Dave? Come I on. just, well, I, I researched it and I thought, you know what everyone's going to want to know? Oh, yeah. Who was, and that's who one of his best buddies, that? too, Bryce. Yeah. But, but Kellen's like, how much taller than Bryce? A couple inches taller than Bryce and longer arms. So, yeah. So I think Kellen could probably dunk it better than Bryce back in the day. So, so Bryce so, is not that tall, but you got to give him props because he could throw it down. A couple yes, more could. minutes with uh, with Kellen. You growing up, you wanted to play quarterback. Mm-hmm. And you wanted to play at BYU, throw passes like your dad. Um, Air Force wanted you to play quarterback uh, because you ran that thing up at Davis High School that everyone had trouble with, with the, with the option, which is what Air Force does. And so then you have to decide. Do I really want to be a quarterback or do I want to come to BYU? What made you decide to give up the offensive side of the ball? Um, there was a lot that went into that decision. And admittedly, it's fun for me to be here on a show with my dad. Part of the reason why I wanted to be a quarterback at BYU is because my dad was always my right. hero. Sure. So I wanted to go do what he did. And uh, Air Force was pretty compelling in their pitch. When I went on my visit to the Air Force Academy, my recruiting visit, they – they showed my name up on the scoreboard there, but they made sure to tell me you're going to be able to throw touchdown passes in Cougar Stadium if you come here. <laughs> Coach as, Peterson, that was a good pitch. As a, the three times they were going to throw all year, they yeah, were going exactly. to throw in pro. I was probably going to run a lot more touchdowns, <laughs> but uh, th- that I was going to have a chance to do that. And, and that there was a real draw to that. And I think that you know, as someone who's uh, fairly patriotic, there was also a draw to the the military academy and the line of service that that would be in, and being able to give back to my country. But at the end of the day. I just had to really level with myself on what, what am I looking for? Where do I think I'm going to have the best opportunity to have the entire experience that I want? And I felt like BYU was going to give me that in a few ways. Not that I couldn't get in the Air Force Academy, but that we're going to come easier for me at BYU. And I think the fact that I met my wife there, made lifelong friends there that I'm still in touch with, like I, I, I'm really happy with the way things turned out. I, I can imagine an alternate universe where I went to the Air Force <laughs> Academy and tried to fly planes or went into the medical field or something like that. It worked but, out uh, for Tom Cruise, you know. Yes, it yeah. did. It worked out for him. <laughs> yeah, and, and how old is he now? And he's still like, I, I would want to have my shirt off next to that <laughs> guy. Still... So, uh, you know, he's clearly doing something right. But, but yeah, it, it, at the end of the day, I just, tried to step back from football because admittedly the pitch from the air force academy was was pretty strong and they 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 recruited me a lot harder than byu did byu i came as a walk-on i was you know preferred walk-on so on the squad but there was there was some work to be done to really achieve what i was looking for at byu but ultimately i think in my heart of hearts that's what i had always wanted that's what i dreamed about since i was a little kid i wore the little uh you know hutch BYU football outfit sure. for Halloween yeah. year after year. After I can't year. believe he remembers the brand is Hutch. <laughs> we all wore those. We all wore the Hutch. They helmets. always they always delivered on Halloween. That's that's right. And so for me, being able to go play at BYU, 
um, was really just a culmination of the dreams that I was, that I had always had. And so whether it was on defense, whether it was on offense, I just wanted a chance to be on the field to contribute. And admittedly, there was part of me that wanted to validate that I belonged. Yeah. I think for a lot of walk-ons, there is a bit of a chip on their shoulder to, to, short of, to sort of show people I can do this. Like I believe that I have the ability to get out there and make a difference and, and being able to do that here in Provo where my family was close, they could come to the games in the place that I, I remember storming the field when Ty Detmer beat Miami with my mom because my dad was up in the booth broadcasting. Being <laughs> able to do it on that same field where I had had so many childhood memories was really, really awesome and fulfilling for me. I think it's interesting too, and, and, and one area of that aspect that I can relate to is um, I, even at Good Morning America while I was finishing up school, I, I, I noticed there was, a, there was a power to be a BYU graduate. And I always wanted to be it because it always got there before I did. You know, whether I was going to go interview somebody or whatever. Before I got there, they already knew I was a BYU guy. They never met me, but they already had a positive stereotype of how I was probably going to be. And I've noticed that through my whole career. BYU gets there just before you do. And, uh, and that's powerful. And, a, and an 18-year-old trying to decide where to go to school doesn't think that way. But an older person looking back goes, wow, there's power behind being a BYU guy. Yeah, I think that's absolutely true. It's a tremendous network. I think there's a, a lot of people would say similar things to what I said, that the years that they spent at BYU were some of the best years of their life where they formed lifelong relationships. Oh. They really established certain values and, and standards for their life and, and had an unbelievable experience. And so it's a, when you look at the total package at BYU, it's tough to beat. Now, admittedly, Air Force is, is not a bad one either. They're and pretty so close. To, to anybody who's considering the military academies. Uh, <laughs> Navy's all right back, too, right? Uh, those are not bad places to invest a few years of, uh, of time in your own training. So so we have, we have three boys. So Kellen and Landon and Gavin all played at BYU. And the only thing that we said to them um, during the recruiting process, and, and Kellen can vouch for this, or maybe he doesn't even remember this, is we just said, listen, you can play football anywhere and you can live your dream anywhere. And so you need to make this decision based on not what's on the football field. Because on day one, you could blow your knee out yeah. and not play. So you need to make a decision on what school you go to based on where you're the most comfortable if you weren't playing football. That's the only advice we gave, we gave our boys. They all ended up at BYU. Um, and so did our two daughters. So we got five kids, five graduates from BYU. Um, but that's, that's something to consider. If you're a parent of a recruit out there, um, you can get to the big time from wherever if you're a great player, you're going to get there from San Diego State. They'll you're going to get you. there from BYU. You're going to get there from Ohio State. They'll find you, yeah. and you have a chance to flourish. So you really ought to make that decision best on where am I going to be the most comfortable and where am I going to get the most out of it if I wasn't playing my sport? And, and if you ask that question, BYU is the answer to a lot of people, to a lot of people. All right, here's so. a question I want you to be honest. I'm pretty sure you've been honest this whole time, but this is an extra honest uh -oh. response. Oh, no. <laughs> this seems like a scary setup. Who put more pressure on you to succeed at football? Your dad? Your mom, Brenda, or your late grandmother, Barbara? <laughs> That's uh Not just go have fun to be careful with it. I'm talking about, hey, you got our name on your jersey. Don't disappoint us. Luckily, I can honestly say I don't know that I ever felt that pressure. I yeah. think it, the person who wasn't on that list was myself. Yeah. And uh, I feel like the pressure that I put on myself. I didn't put your grandfather anyway. I just, <laughs> I just gave him a free pass. Yeah. And, and, and he, he would have taken that too. He was supportive. <laughs> and, and I think that that's the interesting thing. My, my wife is really funny about this because people ask me, I have 
four kids, three girls, nine, six, and four, and then a little boy who's one. So for a while, I never had to answer the question of, well, are you going to let your boy play football? Now I get that question, and, and my wife is kind of funny. She's like, he's not going to let them. Of course Tanner's going to play football. Like, he has to in this family. And, and I always <laughs> tell her, like, no, 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 you don't understand. That that wasn't the way that it was in our household. Yeah. Now, granted, we were exposed to a lot of football. And, and, and it turned out everyone did play yeah, football. Yeah, they all played. Everyone did play, but there was never a lot of pressure to do it. I think for us it was more a pressure to find something that you love and – invest everything that you have in, in, in excellence in whatever that is. That could be music, that could be sports. And for us boys, it happened to be football. Uh, for my sisters, it was different things. And, and, uh, but the, the pressure was not to be excellent in football. It was to hold yourself to a standard of excellence in whatever it is that you, that you love and want to put your time and energy into doing. And I, I really appreciate that I didn't, I never felt forced into football. And maybe it was all subliminal. Maybe it was all. <laughs> no, we, we would have been fine. We would have been fine if none of them played. Your cereal bowl it's, it's was a football helmet and, growing up. But only one of them chose football as a career because Gavin's the only one that's chosen right. football as a career. Lane is an accountant and Kellen's a, a, well, he's not, he is an attorney, but now he's run, running a business. And then, you know, Nicole's being a mom, but she's a world-class marathoner now. Yeah. And then Libby's a world-class performer, Broadway star. And they, they just chose what they wanted to do. We would have been happy if all of them mixed it all up and didn't choose that. We just wanted them to to pursue what they loved because, hey, there's a lot of ways to make money in this world, right, in a, in a, in a chosen profession. It sure is a lot nicer life if you, if you can go do something that you love. Like, look what you and I get to do. Right. You kidding me with this stuff? Don't game last night, game any, Saturday. Dave and I don't tell anybody that we would do this stuff for free. No, because they would take us they up on it. They would take us up on it. <laughs> so. All right, before your dad hits you up with five questions, here's our last question for you tonight. So you're president of Luna Solutions, which focuses on vision care. How did playing safety at BYU all those years ago prepare you to succeed in business? I think it comes back to some of the things we've already talked about. You, you got to have strong preparation. You got to have confidence in your ability to go out and execute. You got to be prioritizing. You got to make sure that you are focused on the things that are really going to move the needle. And then there's always a little bit of a competitive aspect to it. The business world is very different playing field than, than the, than the football playing field, but there are a bunch of people trying to succeed in the same spaces. And so recognizing that competition, holding yourself to a very solid standard of excellence in everything you do, all of that feeds into what I'm doing today. And it's, it, it's a great job. I love my job. I have an opportunity to try and go out, build great software that makes vision care simple, affordable, and accessible. And hopefully along the way, be able to bring access to vision care to the billions of people around the world who actually don't have a local optometrist or ophthalmologist that they can connect with. And so it's something that I can actually get passionate about and, and put my energies into. And uh, I feel quite, quite lucky that that's the case and blessed to be where I'm at. Fantastic. All right. You ready? Okay. I, I think I know the answer, but I'm going to be surprised. Maybe he's going to surprise me. We ask everybody five questions, Kelso. Your favorite sports movie? Remember the Titans. Not surprised. Which... Uh, me and Gavin actually on Sunday, just this past Sunday, we're getting into a discussion about remember the Titans versus Rudy. How do you balance those? G Gavin two? doesn't like Rudy because he thinks it's too fake. <laughs> and you and I know Rudy. Yeah, yeah, so we do. I, I told him he's not fake. So, but he. And those are both good. I went with Hoosiers back yeah. in well, our first show. Remember that's the Titans is mine, but Rudy's right there. Guy. Marie Osmond was Hoosiers too, so yeah. that's our game. So, okay, favorite favorite band or singer? Um. 
That's a hard one. I've got like the most varied taste in music. You may find me one day like jamming out to country and the next day like solid Tupac and Biggie. So it's. Yeah, well, uh, the, let's the, come up with way, one. I'm their Tupac and Biggie influence. I'm not surprised and, by that. And then I don't know who's this country influence. Probably yeah. Brenda. Right. Um, if I was to pick one. Yeah, that's the That's it. Probably got to be. Mm, Remember, this is only a two hour show. Yeah. <laughs> I'm like stumped right now. Michael Jackson. Oh, all right. That one did surprise me, but I really like the choice. Okay, favorite yeah. breakfast cereal? The All Berries version of Cap'n Crunch. <laughs> <laughs> my kids will never choose a non-sugar cereal. I'm telling you that right now. <laughs> or, drives, I, drives my wife or they're crazy. banned from the family. See, I like Cap'n Crunch straight. Yeah, uh, he I eats regular. I don't stuff, know how he doesn't eat the Crunch Berries. Yeah, one, yeah. Okay, your favorite BYU memory doesn't have to be. Um, Football, it can be football, but any BYU memory, your favorite one. Favorite BYU memory. Mm, it probably is a football memory. I think it's, but it's it's not a specific one. Honestly, my favorite memory, I still get emotional when I get to a game early enough to be there when the team runs out on the field. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the fireworks and, go yeah, up. All that going down with Rise and Shout playing, like that, that still hits me in a soft spot. And so I got to do that several times. So it's not one specific thing, but that. That is my favorite. Run out of the tunnel on a big game, even now. All right, I'm really interested in this next one. Oh, yeah, because Dave put the fifth question. So favorite advice from your father. Oh, man. From my father? Yes, that's your favorite advice from your father. I didn't write that question, by the way. That's Dave's question. Man. Probably find something you love and and Mm. chase it. And I, I don't think, I don't know if you ever said it in those words, but that was a consistent theme for all of us in the family. Find something you love and and chase it and never get tired. Good advice. Yep. Words to live by. But once you choose it, you better be excellent. No pressure, though. <laughs> no pressure. No pressure, though. I thought you were going to say favorite, uh, uh, piece of advice for your father. That, that no, would no, no. That's, this is our show. Yeah. you got to get your own show to oh, Everybody's start getting like, look, it. we got all these people that, that send us stuff <laughs> advice, right? So they send us advice. Hey, and folks, uh, someone sent us an update on that women's basketball score. I yep. saw BYU was up, I think, 33-30. Give us a, a time of the game and, and, and a score there. Give our best to Sarah and the kids. Absolutely. Yeah, and I don't know if people can see this. Oh, you can't see it close enough, but that gash in my eye right there, that's from Sunday night. Tanner, we call him Tanner the Terrorist. He threw a metal thing. The one-year-old? In, yeah, he yeah. threw a metal thing into my eye Sunday night. Does he throw with a right hand or a left hand? I think he throws with both still. Yeah, We're if, still you can, if you can get him to go this left. Was, this is a right-handed fastball. good for Little yeah. This is a right-handed fastball ball to the orbital bone. you got to be ready. Actually, that's not the orbital bone. This yeah, is, with him around, you really got to be ready. It's all yeah, hands it's on deck. Like crazy. The, the, the nickname is because we can't keep the guy off of any countertop. If he sees something to climb, he's climbing it, and uh, he's a little bit wild. But that's good. Yep. We want that's what, that. Hey, the heir to the throne, that's, that's, Yo, what, that's what he gets to do. He's very athletic at a very young age. Kellen, thanks for coming in. <laughs> Yeah, appreciate it. You. Good having you having here. Me. Really appreciate it. You got it. We'll, All right, Cal. We'll thanks. We'll cut you loose. Hey, can we put up that uh, after further review, Parker? We'll get up on that. Uh, there it is right there. That's our next football game, Saturday, November 19th at 3.30 Eastern, BYU and Utah Tech. That's the game where if BYU wins, they're going to a bowl game. And, uh, and we expect them to win. We've expected them to win ever since it was announced. A lot of teams play these kind of schools in September. But when you're independent, you don't get to choose, and you need a November game. And so this will be the last kind of game like this, uh, you know, 
Maybe forever as yeah, they go to the Big 12. Well, uh, Unless you get some freedoms in November Yeah, they're going to the they're gonna play in September. BYU is going to play. My guess is to balance out their schedule, they're going to play um, – one FCS team every year, probably, and probably early though, right? Or or a lower level um, uh, FBS uh, group of five team, right? Yeah. Then you're going to play a group of five that's decent, um, and then you're going to probably play one P five in your preseason. Some years and some years not. And and when you do it, it's probably going to be a Utah or hey, next year it's Arkansas, right? Yeah. Yes, so, it is. It's yeah. Arkansas, and then nine straight. Big twelve games. Yeah, that's that's no easy task. So you got to schedule, you got to schedule yourself at least two wins in those first three games every year, and that's that's why you know all these years we're complaining. Oh, look what the SEC does in the preseason. Well, guess what? Now the BYU is going to the Big Twelve. We all get it. You got to schedule a couple wins because the league play is so difficult. Coming up over the next few weeks here on the Wise Guys, David Nixon will be with us next week. DeLewis Porter. BYU grad and former NASA pilot. That's He's going to take us on some adventures. Ben Cahoon, Tyler Hawes. Hawes, the all-time leading scorer in BYU history, and Cahoon may be the greatest BYU football player ever to play in the Canadian football well, when, league. When he left the league, he was the all-time leading receiver in Canadian football league history. And then somebody just recently broke it but and has retired, and it's only like... How many? It's like two receptions or something. Yeah, he thought about he could unretire, go catch those, and then retire again. You and I were at a lunch with Ben, and we asked him, "Would would you ever think about just coming back for one game and having him throw you a couple of hitches?" And he goes, "Well, you know, and like it's so it's actually like like, you thought about it. What is the problem?" And, And then he said, "He said, we said, would the team let you do it?" And he goes. Yeah, they probably would. <laughs> so of course he, they would. He sure looks like he's fit enough to do it, doesn't he? Oh, he, yeah. he could probably go back and catch a couple of balls. Brandon so. Campbell, the bass guitarist for Neon Trees, another BYU man, is going to join us here in just a little bit. Let's take a moment and go over some more of the headlines. It's uh, uh, The NCAA tournament arrives in Provo for soccer right on. on Friday against Utah Valley. That's at 6 o'clock local time over at Southfield. It's a rematch. UVU beat them UVU, four to two right. on Southfield on September 10th. That was going on while BYU was over beating Baylor uh, mm-hmm. on the football field. Uh, UVU stunned the Cougars, but BYU turned things around. I saw Coach Jen Rockwood um, earlier today when she was coming on BYU Sports Nation. I was just coming off and had a chance to congratulate her. Um, in fact, David Christensen sent us a note this week. And uh, his comment was, uh, Jen Rockwood's achieved success, which I believe still should be recognized. Attended the BYU-Santa Clara match last week. Consider her for further recognition. We're giving it to her right now. She's been on the show, as you know. And she's uh, got an 11-match unbeaten streak heading into the tournament. Well, and here's the thing. There's so many... Remember, that team last year played in the national championship game and were like this close to winning the national championship last year. And they lost some phenomenal talent. But they brought a bunch back. And it, it, it's a little bit like Mark Pope's basketball team. At the beginning of the season, you can tell that there's talent, but they've got to meld together. And and that UVU match was when they were trying to figure out roles. Who's going to be the dominant player? Who's going to do this? Who's going to do that? Well, of course, Jen Rockwood, who's one of the greatest coaches in, in college soccer, has got this thing figured out now. Yeah. They're, they're on a roll. I hate that they have this tie thing in soccer now. It drives me nuts. I asked her if the, she thought it was going to stick around to, for she, another year or two. She doesn't like two. it either, does she? 
No. Um, and she's thinking that, that maybe they'll take another look at it. Probably going to be in. Seems like these rules stay in for a couple years. And then they stay in until one of the blue bloods gets kept out. And they go, hey, we should change yeah, the rule. Yeah, we definitely got to change that. Well, but they've been to the show 22 times since yeah. uh, Rockwood's been five, head coach. Five sweet 16s. Um, and, and last year, of course, they made it to the national championship game. It was in penalty kicks they lost. But I'd rather do penalty kicks than yeah. – and, and, of course, the NCAA tournament – they do have over, you know they have overtime penalty kicks they don't they don't just leave it as a tie like they do in the regular season um so so i feel like BYU's on a roll they're playing tremendous defense and uh and they they they've got a chance to make some noise in this tournament just like they always do probably be i think we're getting weather for most of the week so maybe it'll be rainy and oh, we're snowy getting, we're getting weather right now snow tonight friday right? night at I saw, Southfield. I saw like 30 inches at Alta over the next couple of days. That's good. We're gonna that'll keep the golf course green. Yep, that's uh, all we spring. care about. So women's volleyball's back at the Smith Fieldhouse on Saturday against uh, St. Mary's at three Eastern, one Mountain on BYU TV. They were gonna play on Thursday. Yeah, against we're, gonna, Pacific, we're gonna get into this now, right? And now they're not. Okay, so they're supposed to host Pacific on Thursday. The Tigers decided to forfeit the match. Um, because of their concerns from some of their players about these unfounded allegations made by the Duke player that she was racially harassed at BYU um, back in August. So this is the rationale. Our players don't feel comfortable, and they're basing it on a story that's basically been debunked. Um, Two months ago. There, there's nothing to support that story, right? Now, BYU hasn't come out and been... As they haven't said, hey, the story's made up. Because they don't know what she thought she heard, right? They just said, so, we so investigated. They're not, saying, they're not saying she's lying. What they're saying is, hey, maybe she thought she heard that. But we've in, we have exhausted everything we could, including audio and video. No and witnesses. People all around, including the Duke teammates and coaches. Yeah. And they could not verify that this happened. So, so then we put, thought it was over. Yeah, we it thought it was been over. Better, better and, than over. And then all of a sudden, Pacific, out of the blue, this week says, we're not coming on Thursday because we're concerned about that. And, and then what, what makes it even more concerning is that they didn't even contact BYU about these concerns to say, hey, we're a little concerned about this. Let's talk about it. Here's yeah. what this. Here's what that. Nothing. They just sent an email or more or less said, yeah, we're not coming. Here's why. And. So, so they're basing this. They're, they're basically throwing this out there, basing it on, on something that has zero evidence to support it. Um, and and by the way, didn't Pacific like other Pacific teams have come in here and played, and they're going to be coming in here and playing? Yeah, we think, we think. Yeah, it's it's just crazy. So, so the forfeit gives BYU a win. Yeah. So BYU moved to nineteen and five and twelve and two in the WCC. Yeah, Pacific, they were twelve and they were uh, thirteen and thirteen, right? Coming into this. Yeah, they weren't so, going anywhere and. It yeah, just, just it just it, smells funny. It just doesn't. It's just wrong. And we have to be careful what we say uh, because we have thoughts about it. Um, but but we're disappointed. We're disappointed how Pacific decided to do this without ever reaching out to BYU. That's the biggest to resolve concern. their concerns. If you really have concerns, why do you not reach out to BYU and say, "Hey, listen, we what's up? What what, what's going on with this? We we have some concerns. Some of our players have." said that they were concerned about it, and have a discussion with BYU. Heck, BYU would have moved the match to someplace else. Yeah. But they but they, they didn't do that. That's the biggest that's the biggest burr in my bonnet about this whole thing is they just canceled and and really didn't have a discussion. And we'll, which, see how, uh, we'll see how we'll see how often that pops up. Which doesn't solve problems. No, no. And so. and and based on a on an allegation that is completely unfounded. So. BYU men's and women's cross country teams compete on Friday at the uh, NCAA Mountain 
Regional in Albuquerque, New Mexico. The NCAA Championships follow on the 19th. That's a big day. We got our doubleheader, and they're, they're running. They may yeah. – they're, they're running to defend individual national championships. Now they're going for the team titles, too. BYU's ranked number two in the country for the men, and the women are number five. And, hey, and anybody, like, the women and the men could win national championships. They're, they're yeah. good enough that if they have a great day it's and a good day, some in. of their depth shows up and they, and they do well, I mean, the men could go out and win this thing, just do what they normally do. They got a, they got a great shot. And the women, they have to have a couple of the people down the line that in their depth overperform a little bit. But both of these teams have an opportunity uh, to bring home national championships. It's pretty awesome. How about Gonzaga to the Big 12? Yeah, wow. Since our last show a report surfaced that they've been talking to the league about joining the conference, I imagine they're also talking to the Pac-12 because BYU's leaving and – they're being left, and they play for national championships, although they've not been able to win one. They play for one. They're always they're top, ranked that high. They're the top numbers. four every year. Yeah, and, and uh, what would that do? What would that do to the Big 12 if Gonzaga came in? Just make them even better. Like, Could they have their own national tournament and then just declare the national championship? Well, it, first of all, the Big 12 is clearly the best basketball league in the country. And has been for, for more than a decade. And, and you just look at the power rankings every year. Yeah. I think there's been one year in the last 12 where it wasn't ranked the top conference in the country. Um, that's not going to change with Texas and Oklahoma. Because it's not Texas and Oklahoma that we're bringing them that, right? And now you're going to bring in Houston, um, who's, who's been... You know, They're number three, I think, perennial, right now. perennial top 10 team. Um, BYU, who's been ranked over, over most of the last several years. Um, Cincinnati, who's been very good. And, and Central Florida, who's kind of an up-and-coming program. Those teams aren't going to dilute it any. Um, if anything, this league's going to be better. Now you throw Gonzaga in there? Does BYU want Gonzaga in there? No. I don't think so. I do. I think it would be fun to play them, but I don't know if we want to play them twice and play Baylor and play Oklahoma State and play Kansas and Kansas State and Houston and go down the list. That um, That's – that's a, a we might have legal people step in and say this league has to stop. It's yes, not it's fair. crazy. I, I I actually I don't I don't know the BYU wants another team with that level of, in in that league. It's already just crazy to think about what league play is going to be like. Yeah. But but I think that would be another feather in the cap for for uh, the conference to get Gonzaga in basketball. And then I, in a, in a roundabout way, does that does that affect football if? If Gonzaga's looking at the Pac-12 and the Big 12, and they go, you know, we're going to go to the Big 12, better league, and more stable, because who knows what's going to happen with the Pac-12 in the future, does that send a message to some of these football programs um, about, hey, you know what? Um, As UCLA and USC are leaving, um, and maybe the the Big 10 down the road here plucks another team or two out of that league, how, how about some of these teams like Utah and Arizona State and Arizona, Colorado maybe come come the direction of yeah. Of the Big 12. And I, there were also some reports that San Diego State was being courted uh, as a Pac-12 uh, addition and that there was going to be some type of an announcement, and then they backed off of that the next day and corrected that, saying, no, nothing's going to happen until the, the television rights deal is Yeah, the, you got to get figure out who's going to make what money before you can start adding, bringing adding guys in. in. Big 12 so. already got their deal done which is to their advantage. Right. I, I think if Gonzaga comes in, you get an odd number, but in basketball, that's okay. It doesn't mess the football. Yeah, the football, fine. you want to have even and and a plan because you're sending as many teams as you can possibly send into playoff contention, especially when it expands to 12. Right. Yeah, no, basketball. Gonzaga is a basketball only. Um, I, 
Hey, it makes sense to me. Yeah, that's 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 brutal. Makes sense to Jimmer me. Jimmer Fredette hit the game-winning shot on Sunday to give Team USA the gold medal in the FIBA 3-on-3 America Cup in Miami. 3-on-3 basketball, you may remember, made its Olympic debut in the Tokyo Games. Could Jimmer lead Team USA to the gold in Paris in 24? Absolutely. He's like the perfect three-on-three guy. There's plenty of space on the floor. You can't guard him in a three-on-three. No, like he, and he's just going to keep draining. I think I think on three-on-three, don't they keep scores? It's not twos and threes. It's ones and twos, right? And so so I think um, in in that game, he's just knocking down sh- shots. And, and do they count as two when they're from on the arc? I don't know how it's that works. It's almost like they're worth double when you're shooting from out there. I don't I, know how that works. Hey, anybody that's, that's following us that knows how they score in these FIBA three-on-three, hit, hit us up. Do you get one for a, a shot inside the three-point line and two for one, or is it actually a twos and threes? It seems like they like they played a 21, and, and they do it like – I know that when we just play street ball back home in New York, that's how we kept score. Yeah. It's like it's, it's, it's one point for inside, and it's, it's two points for – when you make it outside three-point line. So it really values deep shooting. And, of course, Jimmer um, is as good as there is in the country. Do, do you remember when, when Jimmer did the Timmy Schloss yeah. appearance? as a, <laughs> he's, Or Slick slick Nick, he, he called himself. Slick Nick, yeah. When they, when they put him in a fat suit and gave him all kinds of makeup and, and, uh, <laughs> and he went to walk on tryouts for BYU. Um, at the end of that. How do he make all those threes when, with that? I don't even know. With the but, stuff but around they it, did, they did a little heavy. three point thing, and I think he made like fifteen in a row. And goes, do, do I stop or do I just keep going? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody can in the world can just flat out shoot it better than Jimmer Fredette. I mean, hey, Steph Curry's going to give him a run for his money, but but and just pure shooting from deep, he's as good as anybody in the world. The new college football playoff rankings came out just before we went on the air tonight. Here's the top six: Georgia, Ohio State. Michigan, TCU up to number four. How about that? Tennessee drops from one to five, and then Oregon is all the way up to six. Yeah, everybody, when Oregon put up 40-plus on BYU, people were just grabbing me everywhere. They're like, what is wrong with BYU? How they couldn't stop Oregon. Well, guess what? Nobody stopped them. That's the lowest point total Oregon has had this season other than Georgia is BYU. The collateral damage from that game is what really impacted yeah, BYU. Yeah, major injuries in that game and, 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 and some and the of the stuff. Because everybody thought Oregon wasn't good at that point, right? Right. And so, so everybody was so concerned that, um, hey, Oregon just got manhandled by Georgia, who everybody manhandles, by the way, yeah, uh, or who everybody gets manhandled by. And so they're not that good. And the Pac-12 was down last year, and BYU just let somebody score 40 on them. That's terrible. And now we're looking and going, wait a minute. First of all, the Pac-12 is better than they were last year, significantly better. The bottom's not very good, but the top's really good, right? Yeah. Um, that's the first thing. Second thing is Oregon is lights out on offense. But I agree with you. I, I think it messed with BYU's mind on on what they needed to do. Did they need to make wholesale changes on defense? Was there a major yeah. problem? They had some big guys get hurt in that game. It's Yeah, it was... It hurt BYU's confidence, that game did. And now we're finding out that team's pretty good. And guess what? Liberty's pretty good, too. They are good. And they're in that that top 25 now. We are going to be joined by Brandon Campbell of Neon Trees here in just a couple moments. Before we get to him, let's do our football picks. Oh, yeah. That's a great idea. Well, we got, uh, I went two and three last week. You went one for four. Neither what? of us were great. 
So that was a good thing we stayed out of Vegas. Yeah, that's why we just don't care enough about the NFL. We just, <laughs> I just pick with my heart on that one. Washington is at Oregon. At, oh, you're ta- oh, you're talking about the I'm talking about the college picks. College picks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. Washington, Oregon this week. What are you going to do? Was I really one and four? Yeah. I'm going Oregon. I think, and I think they're going to score in the 40s again. Yeah, they're at home. They're getting ready for Utah. Next week's Utah, right? Here's the one. Kansas State is at Baylor. Big 12 matchup. K-State's just coming off that loss to Texas. And Baylor's at home. I'm going to take Baylor at home. I'm going to go K-State on that one. Okay. See if they have a bounce back. Uh, LSU at Arkansas. You know it's going to be like 50 to 48. Right. Neither team can stop anybody. I'm going to go LSU on that, though. Uh, For whatever reason, they beat Alabama. Maybe, maybe they're good. Okay, I'm going to go, just to be the contrarian, I'll go Arkansas. Okay, here's a tough one. Uh, Alabama's at Ole Miss. Man, now, Ole Miss can still get to the championship game in Ole the Miss SEC. Is, Ole Miss is back. they got to win this. And, and, ja- and uh, Dart's the quarterback, Jackson how, Dart. How about the fact that Alabama's lost two of their last three games? When's that happen? Yeah, they're not losing this week. Nope, that's why I'm taking Alabama. <laughs> TCU, which we mentioned is number four, plays Texas in Austin. Yeah, I'm taking TCU. And here's the thing. Texas might score 38 or 40. Doesn't even matter. Because TCU will score more than that, and they'll win. Yeah, That's Tex- that league. That's that league. Texas is not back. Uh, not yet. And uh, Sark still got some job, work to do, so I'm going to go TCU there, too. We always talk about what it's going to be like to play in that league. And, like, I'm serious when I say that. Texas might score 38 or 40, and they will still lose because TCU is <laughs> going to score 45. In the NFL for the Cougars, Tyler Algier had almost 90, I think he had almost 100 yards rushing this last week. He's playing Thursday night against Brady Christensen and the Panthers. And Tyler is really emerging. Like, yeah. there's all, all, every bit of talk about him um, is positive. Uh, so, yeah, that's a fun one. Algier and against Brady Christensen. How about uh, on Sunday, uh, Jamal Williams, who also is still getting He's having a lot. a great year. Did you notice on his interview the other day he wore a BYU hat? Did he? Yeah. I didn't see that. They were asking him about his dancing. He had BYU hat on. He goes, I just got to be me. I'm just me. That's who I am. I just like to dance. He is. He is. And he's scoring touchdowns. And they play the, the Lions Bears. can't win any games, but he's so fun. He's having a good year. Sione Takitaki has been making plays for Cleveland. They're at Miami. That'll be interesting because he's got to go against Tua. That's right. He's had a good game. Good season so far. And, and then the Saints with both Taysom Hill and Danny Sorensen are at the Steelers on Sunday. Message to the Saints. Put Taysom in and give him the ball. Yeah. Just do it. Taysom Andy get, Dalton isn't the answer. Taysom should get 10 touches a game. Winston isn't either. Fred Warner still rolling along at linebacker. He's got the Chargers on Sunday. If he's not the best linebacker in the league, he's in the top three, right? Oh, absolutely. So, And then Monday night, the commanders, Dax Milne, who had a touchdown pass this last week, is at the Eagles. It was nice to see him get a touchdown. You know, he's been running. He's been doing punts. Mm-hmm. A special teams, and then they put him in. Yep, runs his route. Yeah, gets into the end zone, which we saw a whole lot of when he was here at BYU. And uh, nice to see Dax in there. He was on Sports Nation the other day. Yeah, talking about his career. That's and why he got his Sports Nation karma because he got on there and then he caught a touchdown pass. He did get some karma. Let's do this day in history, as uh, as uh, Brandon's coming in. Um, it's November eighth. It's election day. So you're going to notice a running theme on things that have happened on November this, 8, this day. Is, this is a big day. Did you did you vote today? Uh, no, I did mail-in. Yeah, It's too so, easy. So I did my mail-in bail, ballot. Gavin did his. Brenda had hers. Brenda mailed hers like a week ago. She kept reminding me. I did it 
last night, and then she reminded me I couldn't mail it last night, so I took it by the Dropbox and put it in this morning and Gavin's. So we vote. Yeah. I should have the sticker on today. You should have a sticker. I voted I, today. I voted. I voted. I don't know. It was three weeks ago. Whatever. Got it in the mail. I'm like, sweet, done. The and f- I don't appreciate the five thousand texts uh, afterwards yeah. on no, who to and vote he, for. And here's the thing. I, no, nah, we can't get into this. I was like, <laughs> when I start going down the ballot, and I, I don't, I won't just arbitrarily just put something down. So, like anything that's on there, I'm like, okay, I don't know about these guys. So then I get on Google, and I, like, take, took me an hour to vote. Because the stuff I didn't know, I had to look up. Yeah, yeah, you know, you I get, didn't know if we should be funding, giving the uh, the Senate more opportunity to use funds. I didn't know. I, I had to. I'm not going to tell you what I voted, but I but I had to look that up and read both sides of it. Yeah, and if you get into the weeds here a little bit, yeah. and you're like, hey, wait a second. So I guess what I'm saying is I'm a responsible voter. That's good. So. That's good. There's a lot of people that aren't. I'm glad. I'm glad that you are. Um, so this day in history. 1731, on this day, November 8th, Ben Franklin opened the first library in the North American colonies. He did a lot of stuff. Yeah, that guy was busy. So 1864, President Abraham Lincoln is elected to a second term. How about that? Yeah. Today, on that day, 1904, Theodore Roosevelt's elected president. In 1932, Franklin D. Roosevelt is elected president. 1956, it's got nothing to do with presidential politics. The Ten Commandments is released in the United States. Charlton Heston, Yul Brynner, classic. It's so good. Still, today, classic. it's good. And the story, you know, the story carries it. And it's <coughs> always good. But when it comes on TV around Easter time, you watch it, and, and it doesn't have what we just saw in Top Gun Maverick, you know, with special effects and this and that. It no. just, but, and, and some of it, you know, where... They did it where they did it way back then, and it's still so good with with how uh, how they did it. It's amazing. It's it's in it's the acting is great. It's just a classic. Yeah. So, okay. So how about 1960? John F. Kennedy defeats Richard Nixon to become president. How about that? 1966 on this day, Ronald Reagan was elected governor of California. Man, they elected an actor. Wait, wasn't he just an actor? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then, and he was a Democrat, and then he switched over. Uh, I think he switched over before getting elected, but uh, but he was a Democrat, moved over to Republican, and then became a a, a two term Republican president. Yeah, he he was just man. I miss Ronald Reagan days, just because it seemed like um, both sides of the aisle could get along. You know, yeah. It, it it just felt like, and I know that they didn't they had their differences of opinion, but it just seemed like. There was a spirit of compromise when Ronald Reagan was in the presidency. And when he was talking to the country, it just seemed like uh, like things were going to be all right. And he, he had a lot of, there were a lot of things going on, the, the Challenger disaster that he kind of mm-hmm. led the country through. And, and, uh, and, you know, I don't know if part of it was because he was a good actor and he could sell it, but he just seemed genuine. And you're listening to him going, you, know, you, you might not agree with him, but you at least understand how he feels about it. It seemed like everybody respected the presidency then. Yeah. And different from what we got yeah, now. Yeah, it's so different. I miss, I miss those days. They were more a, a, a more congenial, cooperative tone to the whole country. Man, wouldn't it be nice to get back to that? So how about 1988? George H.W. Bush defeated Michael Dukakis to become president. I still remember the Republican attack ad of... Uh, Governor Dukakis riding around in a tank talking about um, how he was going to cut uh, defense spending. And uh, Jackson, 
me give you this phone call. Um, I think Brandon's trying to find a place to park. Uh, uh, um, and and, <laughs> and that did him in. That one ad destroyed his whole thing. And yeah. And then uh, the Bush senior won it. And then 2016, Donald Trump defeats Hillary Clinton to become president of the United States in 2016. That was a night. Remember, that was a night that wow. went well into the morning. Yes. The Clintons already had their party. Nobody could believe it. Set up. And then it was like uh, Florida was being held up by the networks. And then all of a sudden, Florida went to Trump. And then Ohio went to Trump. And then all of a sudden, I remember because I was covering it for, I'm so glad I'm not in the news business. On oh, days like yeah. This anymore. You were covering it. I remember it. we're covering it all of a sudden, Florida and then Ohio. And then all of a sudden, the numbers aren't there for Hillary Clinton. And then it was over, and uh, and Donald Trump it was, was elected. It was president. interesting because, like, two months before that, nobody. It was like a done deal. Like, why were we oh, even yeah. going to have an election? It was it was crazy how that. You turned. just never know yeah. anymore on crazy election. Crazy how that turned. So. Today's birthday, eighteen thirty six. Milton Bradley, the game maker. Yeah. Milton Bradley. Do you ever play a game as a kid and it didn't have Milton Bradley's What's the name? The first on game it? you remember of Milton Bradley. Mine is Twister. Twister. Yeah. I don't know. And I remember, Milton Bradley has a hot one. It is Twister. So yeah, <laughs> that was an ad from back in the day. A 1947 so. Bram Stoker was born today, the author of Dracula. Dracula, yeah, that's right. Deaths on this day, or 1887, Doc Holliday. Yeah, how about away. that, Doc Holliday? Well, and here's the thing about Doc Holliday. Not just a gunfighter, also a dentist. Yeah. How about a dentist about that? and a gunfighter? He's gunning people down in the street, but then, and then and he's, he's working teeth. on teeth. Was he using the lead from the bullets? To, I don't know. To fix teeth? I just think that's awesome. And then 2020? Alex Trebek. Yep. Boy, yep. he was the Jeopardy king for so long and uh, passed away on this day. So, hey, I've got, what? It was Jeopardy that Alex Trebek did, huh? That's right. Yeah. So my niece, uh, Tiffany Coyne, is one of the hosts of uh, with Wayne Brady of Let's Make a Deal. Oh, yeah? That's an old school one. They shoot that in one. Vegas. Is, yeah. Well, they did. They moved to oh, Hollywood. Oh, did they move yeah. it? Yeah. But she started in Vegas doing that. And so she's on that. We've got a lot of kids in the family in the entertainment business, I'll tell you. But, but yeah, Tiffany's the co-host with Wayne Brady of Let's Make a Deal. We'll have our Lavelle Edwards quote in just a bit. On this show, as... Uh, our man comes in and sits down. Since we have been on the air, uh, since last May, remember when we started this? End of May, I think, or was it June? Felt like it felt like May. Might have been June. <laughs> End of May or early June. We've had um, we've had a, perfect Olympic champions. We share. We've had Super Bowl champions. We've had national champions. We've had PGA champions. We've had Hall of Famers, former governors, Air Force pilots, coaching legends, country music icons. But we've never had the bass player of Neon Trees until right now. It is a pleasure to welcome Brandon Campbell to the Wise hey, Guys. Brandon, right, welcome. Let me get my, my phones on here. Yeah, pop those yeah, on. Yeah, have a seat. Right, what do you call them in the industry, right? There you go. Does it sound okay? Can you hear us okay, in, in Brandon? stereo. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, your, uh, You know, we were talking out here, then he could tell I was a little distracted because I had a great Doc Holiday joke that oh! uh, that final day, it was just the... Uh, the last nail in his coffin, or his coughing, <laughs> his coffin. You know, he, he had tuberculosis. That's right. He right? died of tuberculosis. Oh, that's right. I mean, it was the last nail in his coffin. What movie oh, was that? God. Was he in Tombstone? Yeah, uh, where his character was portrayed. That was that was that who, was something who else. Who played him in Tombstone? Um, uh, Val, was it Val, Val Kilmer? Kilmer? Yes. Yeah, that's I'll right. I'll be your Huckleberry. 
Yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That's the guy. most famous lines ever. That's right. Hey, what did you think of Puka's touchdown catch to win the game Saturday night? Yeah, that was legendary. Could you have made that play? I, you know, we all have our gifts, right? <laughs> we, all, we all have our different gifts. And, and we all have things we think we could do. Uh, that, that's the kind of play that's made on the side yard when no one else is watching. You know, right. and then you're like, hey, did you see me catch that? No, <laughs> there's no way you caught that. But he caught it. You know, it's it's when you you watch it, it's I, I can my, I guess the closest thing I could relate this to is, you know, when you're actually watching something and thinking you could do it. And then when you're in the hot seat and that's when I got to be on cash cab. And when you think when you're sitting back and, you know, there's a little less pressure. Right. Right. And so, like you said, like the side yard catch, like, you know, hey, I could do that. Right. And then when you're in the hot seat, uh, it's a little harder. And especially when you get out on the field, though, and you see because sometimes you'll see, oh, they rushed for one yard. It's like, well, one yard. Anybody could do that. Right. Yeah. But when you've got like, you know, a wall of uh, (laughs) big dudes. Right. Stopping you from doing that, it's a hard thing, you know? But hey, even when you're done doing it, Brandon, I, I, like sometimes I look back and I'll be down on the sideline and the game's going on and I'll think, what was I even thinking? Like this is nuts. Who would get out there with all these big guys running at that speed? This is violent. This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. Was I out of my mind? That's a whole other. Was I well, out you, of my mind? You were after you got hit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I've been on bottom of piles where I'm like, I hope they get off soon because I cannot breathe. And then they all slowly pile off, and you're thinking, I think I was without oxygen for almost a minute right there. Good thing I could hold my breath. Yeah. I, I love the sometimes strength training, you know, just for that. Be at the bottom of the pile. When you go on stage, sometimes you'll wear a BYU shirt. And as a Neon Trees fan and a BYU fan, I just love seeing we that. I love that. When you when you decide, you know what, tonight's show I'm putting a BYU shirt on, what message are you trying to send? Uh you know, love for the hometown. You know. Yeah. Uh also that I'm you know, I'm I'm still in the game. You know. There's right. uh um you know, it's it it can it can be tough. Uh to uh, retain, uh, remain, um, and and to retain uh, the faith in this in this modern world. Yeah, you know, and so it it is a sign of encouragement. You know, I'm not up to be a, a preacher, um, but it is. You know, that that's something that you're not going to see all the time. No, you know, or and, ever. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah. it's it was just kind of a a nod. Because uh, football season was starting, and I wanted tickets. No, I'm, just <laughs> I'm just kidding. Smart uh, man. No, no, but it was, um, yeah, it was just that, and it was, it was very, and it wasn't, you know, like uh, thought out, you know, long in advance. You know, yeah. like, I mean, we knew for months, you know, that you know all the time that any show we're going to be on, usually it's planned out way in advance. Um, yeah, and so it was just a kind of a spontaneous thing, and yeah, to give that shout out and. Sometimes you'll see that with a, you know, with a team or another band shirt, yeah. you know, um, and Brad yeah. Paisley's always talking about West Virginia. Oh yeah. He's into them. We met, Brad, we met Brad's dad and they're the biggest West Virginia folks ever. The, the neon trees, um, you guys have produced, and I hope we get these numbers right. Four albums, 15 music videos, 18 singles, including a song featuring an Iron Man three. How about that? You gotta be an Iron Man three. Yeah. That's awesome. yeah. pretty cool. And I, yeah, that, and, but was you a got, fun, you, that was a fun song. You guys have a, Tremendous connection to BYU. Fill, fill our, our folks that are listening and watching in with us about the connections to BYU with this band and, and how yeah. it all originated. 
Uh, well, I mean, you are looking at uh, the 1999 BYU Battle of the Bands uh, winner. Yeah. Uh, I was playing with Alex and the Blues Hounds and uh, Alex Calderon, who was uh, probably the only BYU student to wear motorcycle boots <laughs> to, to school, <laughs> to, to college there. Uh, amazing uh, guitar player. Uh, I learned a lot. I was his roommate. This was before I got married. Yeah. Um, but you know, my 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 wife uh, is, um, you know, a proud to to be a cougar, and uh, I mean that could have two meanings, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> um, is she the right? She age? graduated yeah, in uh, two thousand with a BFA in photography. That's right, photography. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Under uh, the uh, the wonderful John Telford, um, who was running the photo department then, right, and was. Um, not only a great artist, but a, an amazing spiritual giant and just a, a great example to us. Um, and I I snuck in and out of BYU. And in fact, I happened when I was grabbing these these LPs for you guys. Um, and I have my kids got me a brand new um, turntable. Turn, yeah. So I can play my old vinyls. Yeah. And, and so this is awesome that this is. Yeah. So this, this isn't our most recent one, but it is one of my favorites. Well, it, it, I would say it's my favorite record that we've done. And it was from these sessions that that song that ended up on the Iron Man soundtrack uh, came from these sessions, but it's a double, it's the uh, extended version. Um, and I just love it. So I brought that for you guys. But when I was digging those up for you, I found put, my put that up so BYU student ID. Look at that. And where, where we've, we want to put this here. We're going to zoom here. Yeah. We see it right, right there. Right there. Right there. Yeah. Come, come. Uh, ah. So what year does it what, say what, on there? Let's yeah. zoom in on 70, it. Uh, 98? Yeah. Yeah. 78? 98? Yeah. Uh, yeah, oh, my goodness. 99. Oh, yeah. There you are. You How can, about that? Yeah. Keep hold of that. That's a keepsake. I, I mean, if you That's, could see. Um, look at that guy. It's Y Mountain Who right is there. that guy? Right. Is he 12? Are there 12-year-olds? <laughs> it's like Doogie Hauser. There right? was when I was there. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, see, things have changed a little bit. Those are our new ones. Dave and I are employees of BYU because of BYU TV. Right, right. Uh, You know, our our wonderful drummer, Elaine Bradley, has her show, uh, Grace Notes. Grace Notes on BYU TV. She's on on the air on our air with BYU TV. She does a phenomenal job with that show. Yeah, and the the producer of that show, Russ Kendall, uh, is actually the first artist that I played with when I moved up to Utah. I was, it's so fun to look back over the, the last two decades and to see all of the relationships come together. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite people is uh, Scott Wiley, who runs uh, June Audio Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, and his, his wife, Sarah Wiley, um, helped to run, basically did run the Rooftop Concert Series in Provo on First yeah. Fridays. Uh, and they're also... Um, you know, the producers and leaders of the Lower Lights group. But uh, before June Audio became the monster studio it is now, it was just, they were running it out of a house. And behind that house was a duplex. And that's where I moved in yeah. with Alex, the guy I told you about, um, that wore motorcycle boots to BYU. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and Scott and Sarah were my landlords. And uh, through them, that's how I met Russ Kendall. And, you know, got my first gig up here. Mm-hmm. I actually tried to sneak up and not do any music. You know, I grew up in Las Vegas. Right. Um, I was playing music down there. Uh, well, first of all, speaking of Las Vegas, okay, I need to give a shout out 
first of all, to, to Andrew Dixon, who was very excited that I was on the show. Nice. Uh, and to Taylor Weston. Okay. Oh, yeah, I know Taylor. Yes, yes. Absolutely. And, all those and guys. The, yeah, the Westons uh, wanted to say hello. Oh, thank you. Great folks. Um, yeah. Oh, and just... You know, I, I love being, you know, in here with you guys because not only can we talk about, you know, our, our, um, our love for, for sports and for music, yeah. um, but also to talk about, you know, our living a life of faith and trying to live on the gospel path. And, and you know, people like I mentioned, like Taylor and Shanae Weston, sure. Andrew Dixon uh, and Heidi, like, just wonderful examples have been great examples to me uh, for decades. Um, and, you know, recently, Andrew was a bishop down there. And to see the pictures of him at the airport of sending off and greeting missionaries as they would come and go, um, it, was, it was awesome just to really see that, that encouragement, you know. And, and when I feel like my little part is wearing a BYU shirt <laughs> on the TV. Yeah, that's uh, a big part. More people see that than anything we do. Yeah. It's, and, uh, and, it's you know, powerful. They, hopefully, you know, one or two of those missionaries saw that and thought, you know, I better get it together. So Elaine Bradley, Tyler Glenn, yep. Chris Allen, this is, and you, the group yeah. of Neon Trees, you come together uh, here in Provo, still together, yeah. the four. Yeah, like I mentioned. Like the, Beatles, the Beatles couldn't even stay together. You guys, yeah, you've well, stayed together. It's amazing to look at the, the material that our, our favorites, our, you know, the classics, what they put together in the short amount of time, right? And you look at a band like Cream with Eric Clapton. Yeah together maybe two, three years at the most, mm -hmm. the Jimi Hendrix experience or Jimi Hendrix himself. He, you know, from what, like late 66 to 1970, the Doors also four years, the Beatles six years from their rise to fame to breaking up in 1970, 64 yeah. to 70. And they're, they're icons, yeah. right? You know, it's... People don't realize that they were only really together for that shorter period of time, right? Yeah, and you know what? It takes to, to really get to what you're touching on it takes a lot to do a band to to be in a band and uh you know when you when you grow like i've i've realized i'm not part of the show business that i fell in love with right when you when you finally get to do it and you're kind of behind the curtain a little bit um and realize that you know some of it is different and that wasn't because i was misled it's just with any of the the vague you know information that i got i kind of made up my own version of what that would be like um and you'd hear bands say oh you know we're gonna break up because this 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 or this say, oh why but you're living the dream why would you want to throw that away and then when you get in those situations whether it's creative differences or uh not always within the band but with a label yeah. or whatever it could be so many things and you see oh yeah now i get it and we could have 20 reasons why we would want to break up and everyone would say oh of course i get it but there's always one thing that's more powerful than that. And it's the magic of us coming together to create. Yeah. And it takes humility. You know, it, it takes, um, you know, being, being willing to, um, you know, set your ego aside, leave it at the door. Um, and just, be, you know, these days be forward thinking. You know, yeah, there's a, a method to this that I fell in love with. And I love seeing, like, watching Get Back, you know, yeah. all those Beatles sessions that were out on Disney+. Plus. A lot of bands don't work like that anymore, you know? It's a lot of it can be written very isolated and then come together. Sometimes things are created, you know, on computers. Um, and, you know, that you're just kind of adding your part. You're not all in there together all the time. Yeah. And you think, well, that's not how, 
my hero did it. So am I doing it wrong? Or am I not validated? Am, am I not having the experience? And you have to get past that and realize that, you know, sometimes it's being in the moment, the process, yeah. and that happens playing live. But it's also about, you know, getting, getting the music out there. There's different ways of doing that. Now, your, your wife, Emily, uh, first is a saint. Yes. Let's just establish that. <laughs> Amen. Uh, and she's a trained pianist. Yeah. Why isn't she in the band? Um, because she is uh, too much of a music snob. <laughs> she's the, she'd be the first to say all that we can't, I can't show her demos anymore. There's a, a, a term called demoitis, where if you hear a demo of a song, you fall in love with it. And then when it gets produced, you say, oh, but it, you changed this or I like yeah. the other thing, right? <laughs> and so sometimes it can be hard to do that. And there's so many unreleased Neon Tree songs that she you know, is pining for. And ah. I, I, think, I think there's almost a, 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 a time of, of grief where she's like, she, just realizing those songs aren't going aren't gonna to see the, the light of day. And yeah, so. Is her favorite song one that wasn't released or is her favorite song one oh, that's yeah. been released? Oh, it's uh, unreleased. Like I'd probably say like Persuasion, <laughs> uh, Ghost Moves, you know, and the, some neither of these, of these released. We've heard favorites. those. She's heard them. We have. Oh haven't. yeah, she's heard those. Um, Persuasion people would have heard live a long time ago. Yeah. Um, but and they are good songs. They're good. They're they're not in not in the catalog because they're bad. You know, it's it's a good problem to have where you have it sure. so much material and only so much time. And and of course we want to move forward and continue to produce. You, you said that this is your, your favorite album, um, and this one I mean, people can see it. So, um, picture show it is your favorite song that you guys have ever put out. Like, so we're not going to talk about the ones that aren't released of the songs that you guys have released is your favorite song on this album or, or is your favorite song on a different album? Hmm. To say a favorite song. I know that's hard to pick. That's like Sheesh, asking for man. your favorite child, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, um, but we all have our favorites. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the cat. Right? No, not the dog. I'm, I'm learning to be a dog person. Yeah. And I'm doing that for my kids. Um, gosh, on here, let's see. I would say, you know, there's uh, the song Weekend. Mm -hmm. And the reason why that one stands out to me is this is the 10th the version. We had 10 versions of this song. Like 10 weekends? Ten, yeah, 10 different weekends. And to see it from the beginning to what it became is, you know, a stark contrast. Um, and so I, it, it, it helps me to remember that, you know, sometimes, you know, gifts, sometimes the songs need time. Yeah. Because mm -hmm. that was a song that we had way for, you know, this is our, our second album. Weekend is a song that we had even before we started writing the first record. Wow. And it's just, it's one that took time. Um, yeah. So there is, there's potential there. Uh, obviously lessons in love was a, a collaboration with cascade. Um, and <clears throat> yeah. And one of the producers that is part of cascade, uh, Finn Bjarnson, uh, is my neighbor now. Oh, cool. He moved, oh, into, right? he moved nice. into the hood. Yeah. In, in Oak Hills the and hood. <laughs> in the hood. Yeah. In the hood. And, uh, yeah, and that was just a really, a really fun thing. Like, I can look back to when uh, Ryan Radden is, is Cascade. Uh, you know, he's the, the main guy. And he sent a demo. And I, I remember this was back in, like, 2011. I had a BlackBerry. <laughs> and I remember open, getting it on my BlackBerry and um, playing it in a cab for the band in New York City. So here's this demo of this idea. 
that we could do. And then we worked on it a little bit and sent it to him. He sent it back. Now in the airport at the, the uh, Sydney, Australia airport, there was a Mac store and thought, oh, we can go download the new song and we'll play it. And the only way to hear it was to download it onto the computer in the Mac store and listen to it and then delete it. Um, so it's cool like, to look, look back and to see like, how that it took shape That's cool. and where all the places that we were when that happened and, and for it to be with friends. Yeah. Yeah. Brandon Campbell is the bass guitarist for Neon Trees on The Wise Guys tonight. This group started in 2005. You and Elaine joined in 2006. You opened for The Killers, another Las Vegas-based band in 2008. With BYU and, Ties, and right? And you're, you're off and running. Oh, well, not BYU Ties. Spanish Fork Ties, Springfield Ties, Utah, Utah County Ties. ties. Or, yeah, it's... Uh, with Brandon and those guys. Oh, yeah. Well, a couple of them live in Park City now. Oh, do they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So it's... And, and yeah, and... Um, yeah, it was uh, um, down in in Nephi, I think is where Brandon lived right. back in the day. Yeah, I got to yeah. know those folks in Vegas when I was down there. Great, great. And their band's still rolling. They're still oh, playing. Yeah. Yeah. And you got Amazing. to open for them way back in 2008. Yeah, well, I, I used to be in a band with some of them. Like I yeah. mentioned, like I cut my teeth in Vegas and uh, started playing in nightclubs when I was 14. And um, that was, you know, I saw a lot. <laughs> And by the time I was 18, you know, I realized that, you know, it was cool when I was maybe 15, 16 and getting to go hang out and, and party with 30 year olds. But then realizing, like, am I going to become the 30 year old? <laughs> yeah. Is that like me? That? <laughs> yeah. And and but I, I just I genuinely had a, a, a spiritual path and, and a, a desire to do, you know, do that. But I, yeah, I really experienced a lot down there. And the part I am grateful for is is the music. And all the people that I got to meet and play with and the relationships and how those have lasted decades. And so Ronnie and, and Ted, who are with the Killers, uh, yeah, we had a couple bands together. And, yeah, we've just remained friends over the years. And I would send, I would send Ronnie stuff all the time that I was working on. Because yeah. once we got a, a record deal and people heard that we had played with them, they said, oh, what do you have to do? you got to be friends with the Killers to, to get a deal or something. And I said, well, I can name you like 10 bands that they did a favor for and let them open that didn't get a deal. You yeah, know? Right. And I'd, I'd send him stuff all the time. And he'd say, oh, yeah, that's good, but it's you know, not you know, yeah. in our lane or it's good, but it's not great. And then with this, so that's how I knew he wasn't BSing, yeah. you know, because he kind of was very brutally honest. And when he heard Neon Trees and... Uh, and then came to see us. We did a little show in Vegas. And Emily, my saint of a wife, called him and said, you need, you need to come see these guys. Yeah. And there were 10 people there. And I think, you know, Ronnie and my wife were like, you know, a couple. Wait, 10 people <laughs> total there? <laughs> uh, but it was a small, it was early. It was, these were the salad It was days, a private right? gig. Right, it was, right. No, it was early on. Yeah. But the thing that I've always loved about Neon Trees is the energy and just like I saw them before I was in the band and, and as I've been in the band, there could be 10 people there, but especially Tyler, who I think is, you know, he's kind of our leader and helps guide us. Um, he'll play like there's 10,000 people there. He's not caught up that there's 10 people. You know, it's, the emotion is real and the energy. And I think when, like when Ronnie saw that and heard the songs, he said, hey, what, what are you guys doing this fall? You know, let's do a couple shows. And at the same time that they had invited us, totally separately, some people from their record label uh, had been hearing about us on the East Coast. And so it kind of validated things. And 
uh, it was just it was perfect timing, really. How about these shows? How about these shows that you've been on? Yeah. with the band. Uh, let's see, Tonight Show with Jay Leno, live with Regis and Kathy Lee, Late Night with Jimmy Fallon, Conan, America's well, Got it Talent. Was, it wasn't Kathy Lee then. Uh, Who was it? It, it was. Um, was it Ripa? No, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. Kelly, yeah. Regis Kelly and Kelly. Yeah. Yeah. Because I remember Kelly gave me a hug and I I felt her spine. She's <laughs> that thin, right? She, yeah. <laughs> She's she is, tiny. Yeah. Which of those shows and, were made and, you most? And and Regis is a stud. Yeah. Uh, you know, Ryan Seacrest. Uh he's no Regis, but he's no, great. But he's great. He's which great. made you the most nervous? Which show? Nervous. Um gosh. Uh well, doing uh Fallon and having the roots there. You know, oh, yeah. you know, and, and they're, I mean, they're, they're, they're tremendous they're, musicians, yeah, right? And they're, and they're, you know, right there. Cause they're, they're playing in between, you know, uh, and playing off into commercial. So, um, but then to get off stage and to see a tweet from Questlove that was, you know, a great compliment. Yeah. It's like, yeah, that was cool. That um, was cool. But the, I'd say my favorite is always Conan. Really? Oh yeah. I just, I love Conan and I had a, uh, a 45, uh, record of a song that he did with Jack White, and I brought it because I wanted him to sign it. And he and Conan looks at my hair because I had my hair done up, and he goes, "You know, your hair's a lot better than mine." And he writes that like, "Your hair wins, <laughs> love Conan." Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. He's just always the best. Brandon Campbell on the Wise Guys tonight, bass guitarist for the band Neon Trees, a BYU man. There's so much more to your life than than this band. But let's go back to Las Vegas. Mm -hmm. uh, you, when you met your wife, Emily, you're in high school. Yep. She takes you home to meet her parents. <laughs> uh, you are not of their faith. Nope. You've got long hair and you play in a band. Right. How'd that go over with her dad? Uh, you know, I, I, I can look <laughs> back and think that I was so, I'm so fortunate that they were open-minded, yeah. you know? And uh, yeah, because her dad is also, uh, at the time was the chief of arson investigation. Uh, so basically he's a fire cop, Yeah, you know, <laughs> and he, he's packing heat, uh, <laughs> you know, and, uh, but you know, they were, they were what exactly what I needed was someone to, to look past that other stuff, yeah. you know, and, and to see me as a person, you know, and I think one thing that was helpful is, uh, Emily has a younger brother that's. 15 years younger. And so I've known him since he was you know, like seven months old. Right. And I genuinely loved him. I still do. He's one of my best friends now. Um, but I think that, you know, they, they saw that, I think that, that helped them see that I was just a, a normal kid too, you know, especially like being able to, you know, I, I wasn't trying to put up this, uh, you know, this, like act like I'm a cool guy, you know, or something, you know, or I never, I wasn't trying to prove anything. I genuinely like loved uh, right. hanging out with Emily. She was the smartest, um, you know, coolest girl that I had dated. Um, and, uh, and I remember uh, my uh, ex-girlfriends or girls at school would try to, you know, make fun because she was LDS. Yeah. And I'm just thinking, you guys have no idea of the, the depth of cool and whether it's in, in art and in, in music, like already at a young age, like, yeah, I just, uh, yeah, I've always looked up to her. And, oh. uh, but yeah, I'm just grateful that her parents were open-minded. And, and I think that comes from them also, uh, you know, being converts yeah. to the church um, and seeing that, 
what it, the difference it makes when you're inviting, you know? And because I think they saw eventually that I wasn't going away, right? <laughs> you kept coming back. Yeah, yeah. And <laughs> Parents and, tend to notice that. They're like, well, hey, seen him a lot. And, but they knew, I, you know, especially with their dad being an arson investigator, like he could smell like <laughs> some, some things. <laughs> he like could on smell my fire. He could smell smoke. Yeah. He could smell if you green, were put, putting something on. Some green smoke, you know, and uh, it was, uh, yeah. So you, they're you, a great example of seeing someone for who they are and, you know, I eventually wa- I wanted to learn more of their faith. And, and, and obviously you, you converted to, to the LDS faith. And, and uh, you mentioned something when you first when we first started to talk to you where you just said, you know, it's been it's been interesting um, to try to stay stay with your faith and cling to your faith and and represent your faith. You didn't use all those words, but right. but um, in this business. The entertainment business in general, particularly in the music business, how how have you been able to do that? How have you been able to to be true to your faith? And uh, you, you mentioned by wearing the BYU gear when you're on stage is just kind of a shout out to your faith, right? But that's not easy in that business, is it? No, no. I mean, that's there's there's a lot of there's a lot of time. You know, I'll tell you this: no one ever tells you also how lonely it is. I'll put it out there, right? Yeah. You know, as, as exciting, just like I said, when I, you see bands that want to walk away, how could you do that? You've, you've got it all. And yeah, we see the two hours, you know, right. and we talked about this before where we see uh, other uh, athletes that we idolize, right? Or that we, you know, uh, we think are great, but we only see a window of what they, what they do and what they experience. And we don't see any of the other um, in the, in the music business, um, you know, it, it, it takes a lot of, um, the best thing you can do if you're in a group or in a band is to be transparent. And if you do ever get in a situation to where you're not living the way that you want to, and that could be whether it's, a, you're not, um, you know, living principles on a spiritual path, or maybe you're just not, um, you know, performing well, or you're not eating the way you want to, whatever, you need to be able to support each other. And so you need that transparency on there. Um, as far as trying to stay on the spiritual path, being uh, in town places when I can go to church, yeah. um, I love doing that. One time we were in France, <laughs> we were in Paris once, and I told our tour manager, I said, hey, uh, tomorrow's Sunday, I'd, I'd like to go to church. Can you tell our, our driver uh, that, you know, can you arrange that for me? So in the morning, I go out, and the driver's there, and he's saying, okay, which church would you like to go to? We have so many beautiful ones here. <laughs> and I said, well, I know, I know the one I want to go to. Here's the address. Um, and it was great. There was uh, elders there, yeah. luckily, because they were there to translate for me. Um, yeah, we've gone to church, uh, you know, anywhere from, yeah, from Paris, France, to Wyoming, to, uh, you know, in Japan, you know, it's... Uh, That's great. Yeah, it's, but it's it's making the, the mindful effort, never being, uh, you know, embarrassed of, of, you know, of who you are and what you do, you know, it's, I think there is, it's lots of times around the LDS culture, um, there's a lot of assumption that uh, you're going to get judged, mm-hmm. you know, and I always like to, to break, you know, let's get rid of that. You know, who, who am I to judge you? Right. Or and sometimes even to say like, don't worry, I'm not judging you. It's like, Oh, you're not? 
oh, thank you. Thank you that you're not going to be my judge. Yeah. You know, I've gone back and forth with my parents on this because they're, they're not of the faith. And, um, you know, they, they love to drink. Um, and I've, you know, and this is something I've dealt with, with, with my mom. Uh, there was this assumption, right. Yeah. That I kind of, maybe I had beef with it. And I said, no, like, yeah, I'm not going to hang out. Maybe three drinks in, like, I know when to leave. It's fun <laughs> for you guys, but not for me anymore. And just recently I said, something came up about that. And I said, yeah, don't worry. I, you know, and I, I'm not judging you guys. And she goes, that's okay, honey. I don't judge you for not drinking with us. <laughs> you know, that's but, nice, But mom. just try to keep it open. And, and you know, everyone's on a path of, because I, I thought there it was going to be a lot of opposition where, you know, people like are just, they're, they don't want to hear that that we're LDS and that it's just it's kind of like low hanging fruit, right? Like how can we haze these guys or yeah. or make fun of it? Um, and you know, it's just it's just being you know being who you are. Let me go back to uh, your in laws uh, for just a second. Um, so in time, they're patient with you. In time, you join the church mm-hmm. to get married. You give them grandkids. Uh, you also give them your first Billboard Music Award. That's right. Which they have on display in their Vegas home. Yes. Uh, so who's the most surprised about all that? Emily or uh, your mother-in-law or your father-in-law? Uh, that it turned into something? In that whole journey, and they've got a Billboard Music Award sitting in their house. Yeah. You know, they've, just, they've always been supportive for, you know, from the beginning. When things were starting to take off, uh, they were leaving for a mission. Uh, you know, uh, so they were... Uh, over in uh, in Africa, and so they weren't around for like the initial rise of it. So they were kind of catching on, you know, um, by remote. Uh, but I, my mother-in-law, know, knew that we had made it um, when they were they were in Freetown, and she had walked in this cafe, and where people you know you can go in there to get a drink and. Um, they were watching some soccer game in there, and our song "Animal" is playing <laughs> all the way over there, you know. And, yeah. she, and like for that to happen, that's when you know things become kind of global. And you know, I think that was a sign a sign for her. But you know, when it was when I joined the band, I was I had a, a different job, I had a different day job. I was doing graphic design and computer programming. Had a four hundred one k health insurance, you know. Uh, two kids, wife, mortgage. Um, and Emily was the one that said, I think you need to do music full time. You know, I was playing with all these other bands like After Hours. And they, like I mentioned before, they were all good, but there was just sometimes something missing. And maybe some of them didn't want to go all the way. And as a bass player, like I'm not going to go do this on my own. Like I'm not going to be the solo bassist, right? That, I don't, I'm not into that anyways. I need to be part of an ensemble. Yeah. So who can I hitch my wagon to that I can support, you know, not just to be a coattail rider, but who can I support and help, you know, help it grow. And when I, I was legitimately a fan of Neon Trees, and when I saw that they were, you know, not only talented, but business-minded, dedicated. Uh, they had moved to California because they could live for free. Um, and... I was like, well, I'm not going to go out to California. Because I just had these kind of false starts with so many things. And Elaine had just graduated. So she's like, I'll go. And, 
you know, a couple months went by, and Emily's like, you know, if you could play with anyone, who would it be? And I said, you know, I don't want to join anyone else's thing. I want to be part of my own thing. That's what I really want. Yeah. And to really be a principal member of it and to help with the T-shirt designs and the live show, everything. And like the next day, Tyler calls me, says, hey, the guy we have down here is not working out. Um, I said, man, I've been thinking about you guys like, like crazy, you know, because I'd played with them a little bit. Oh. And I said, it was just so great. And just to hear what they are up to and the, the dedication and, like I said, and being business-minded because I didn't want to be a starving artist. You know, this had to be something that was fulfilling but also could, you know, pay the bills. And so I talked to Emily about it, and then I said, well, let me go down there. Let me see if it's like it was when we played. And I went down. It was amazing. We just, we just clicked. We wrote music. We wrote a couple songs that, that made it to the first record. I went home, and I told Emily, I said, you know, if I don't do this, one of these days we're going to be, um, you know, staying up watching the late-night shows like we do, and they're going to be on TV. And if I'm not there, I'm going to be kicking myself. <laughs> and so we, we prayed about it. Yeah. And to loop this back to her folks, that's who we went to first. Yeah. Because I, for me and for her, if we had their blessing, um, that we knew that, hey, this, you know, this is, and not approval, not to say like, hey, if you say no, then I can't. It, you know, it was more of, you know, just wanting to vibe out and make sure that, um, you know, because they really have their, their finger on the pulse right. of, of being responsible adults, right? <laughs> and we're learning that. And, and they did. They, you know, they said, well, yeah, let's, you know, this is the time to do that. And, you know, to join up with them and to go out there and say, hey, I, it was great to be part of something where I didn't have to explain my faith because they were all mm -hmm. part of the church. Yeah. And back then everyone was, was part of it. Right. And I didn't have to explain that. And I said, hey, I can stay out here for uh, 10 days, go home for five days. And the first thing they said is, you know, family first, of course. And to have that end, there was no lack of, um, of the, the raw emotion in the talent, you know. Sometimes I found that people were afraid to, to shake it a little bit, you know. Yeah. They're either cynical or a little reserved, and that wasn't the case here. And, in fact, one time we were playing in Boise uh, on an early, early tour, and we opened for someone, and afterwards this lady was just hysterical, loved us, bought the T-shirt, bought the little two-song CD and everything. And throughout the night, she's talking to us, and then it finally comes up that we're LDS. And she's like, no, no, it's impossible. You guys rock too hard. You, you were so good. There is no way that you guys could be Mormons because my sister's a Mormon, and I hate Mormons, and there's just no she's way. She's not that cool. No, she asked for her money back. No kidding. No, you guys were. She asked for her money. You were back. way too she cool. Was, cool. She was duped. Yeah, but she. And that's the thing, right? Thinking that this is impossible because sometimes we have experienced that. But these guys were the package deal, and I was in love with them. I still yeah. am. Hey, in our in our final few minutes together with Brandon Campbell of Neon Trees, uh, let's take this. Uh, let's take our visit to a different place. Um, back in March. Oh, yeah. You take on a major health situation, and at one point you are down on the ground at your house without a pulse and mm -hmm. feeling, you're feeling 
I'm like you're slipping anything. into the <laughs> into the point, next place. Yeah, it was before that that I felt what, it. What happened? Uh, I've had an, an H. pylori. Hey, you look great, infection. by the way, considering what you've been yeah. through. Yeah, right. You know, I better take off my jacket to, you know, tell this, tell this story <laughs> here, right? Um, you know, I don't want to pass out again. Yeah, uh, it's a little hot in here. A little warm. Well, it is, you know, it's since I showed up, right? Right. <laughs> you know. Brandon's bringing the heat. Right. No, it's, so I, I was sick. I didn't know it. And I, um, you know, about a year prior to that, uh, our son, Connor, we have a, a son with special needs. Right. Um, and he came down with, a, with this H. pylori infection, and it hit him right away, and all the symptoms were there. And since we're his caregivers, and uh, I con- contracted it from, from him, but without knowing, yeah. uh, even though he was treated and, and taken care of, my th- situation is I take a blood thinner uh, for a heart for valve heart. that I have. Yeah. And what that, for some reason, what that did with the, it, the infection created these ulcers that would bleed into a huge blood clot. Mm. But you didn't know it. Didn't know it. It was micro bleeding into my system just enough to make me sick, but not, you know, intense enough to really, you know, put me down. It was just something where I just thought, oh, like I'm, I'm sleep deprived because we have a son with special needs who's up through the night. And then then, coming off the pandemic, like all that. And, um, yeah, but, and, and in March, because it's it's probably been brewing for almost a year. And in March, uh, it just kind of gave. And I lost almost like half the blood uh, in my body. And that whole day I was really fatigued. I mean, I could not pull it together. And I thought, I don't know what's going on. Uh, And I took a nap in the afternoon. And then Emily wakes me up about 6 p.m. to check on me. I try to stand up, fall back on the bed. I stand up again. And this inherent uh, feeling, because I'd never felt it before, and but I knew for sure that I was dying. There, this wasn't like oh, I just feel sick. I, you know, this was something. This was the real deal. And but then I was conflicted. It was a stomach thing. So I'm like, I got to go to the bathroom. Yeah. <laughs> she's like, We got to go. Let's go to the hospital. And so I try to walk into the bathroom, pass out. That's all I remember. She says, Then I have a grand mal seizure, Man. which she's not foreign to. But definitely, you know, that's Connor's thing, right? That's, right. that's not me. Uh, and then I was out and just white as a ghost. And she you know, did CPR uh, on the phone with 911. And um, EMTs came, uh, got out the defibrillator. And, you know, one shot. It only took one shock. To you bring know, you I've, back? Yeah. You, want, you know, it's like one call, that's all. One, <laughs> oh, one shock. And, but when I came through, I was, you know, I was so just, you know, busted, right, and, and fatigued, and I mean, I couldn't even open my eyes, but I knew where I was, I knew something was wrong, that I was sick, but I knew I was in my home with my family, and that's all I cared about was my family, and I knew my wife was there, and my children, and it was my home, and the will to live was so intense, it took a long time to recover from that. You were in and out of the hospital three different times? Three different times, um, and you know, it, it took them a while to diagnose, even though, you know, going back to Emily once again, who now, are, you know, saved my life. Yeah. <laughs> um, you owe her a lot, by the I, way. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, yeah I, she'll love hearing that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And can we get that in writing? A, yeah. But hey, the podcast on, will be up tomorrow. It'll be up tomorrow. She's going to listen. She, uh, she, you owe her a lot. She told them, like, right when we got to the ER, 
uh, it's probably this H. pylori, and this is why. And I don't know, it took them weeks to, like, to diagnose it. It's, but they would give me blood transfusions to where I was surviving, and they'd send me home. But then it, just, it was just this circle of, of you know, dying, really. So it, it took a long time, and, and ultimately, once they got the, the, the infection figured out and, and all that, my body was just depleted. I was, I was iron deficient. Lost a ton of weight. Yeah, and, and I was, you know, my, my hemoglobin would not build up. And so we thought, is there like a, a, a blood sickness, a blood cancer? And I went through numerous specialists to, because sometimes people would kind of see the numbers would improve a little bit and kind of like, okay, we'll come back in a month. And I'm like, no, I, I cannot sit back and just wait, you know? And so it took about the fourth specialist. So now I'm working at the Utah Cancer Center. Yeah. And when I told anyone that, they're like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. Like, well, they're wearing their oncologist hat here, you know, <laughs> and luckily they canceled everything out and it was just my body just needed time yeah. to recover. But it was, you know, to be able to step back, you know, I, I had to force myself to rest. I had a friend of mine fill in For the band. Uh, shout out to uh, Stuart Maxfield, um, you know, known from the Stu Cool Band and of course, Fictionist. Um, he was a real bro and filled in for me. Um, so I could just really, really rest uh, physically and mentally. And it was a great opportunity to recharge, um, you know, to be able to put on the brakes with everything. And, and, and I need to remember that, you know, because now that I get busier again as I'm healthier and stronger, you know, I get, you know, just so caught up in everything. And I need to remember uh, more of those, you know, simple thoughts and desires, which... I want to be with my family when it, when it all comes, when it's all coming to a close, yeah. right? Nothing else mattered except them. January 23rd, you'll be back on stage in Miami as the band gets ready to launch into a new year, working on a new album and all that stuff. Considering all that you've been through, how excited are you to just be a rock star for two hours when you get up on stage? Oh, I'm, I've, Blaine I, and I I'm would so like excited. to be We'd like to feel that. And what's that like? We'd like to feel that just <laughs> once where we're on stage and people are singing our songs back to us. What's that like? Oh, yeah. Oh, it's, it's amazing to think like, hey, because you, you have to believe like you have, it's, we're always, we're our worst critics, right? So all the time, like we can celebrate everyone else. And it's like I see with people, you know, as I work with the, with the youth in my neighborhood and ward, uh, like with the atonement, it applies to everyone else except me, right? And it's like that, like everyone else can be great artists, but, you know, not us. But yeah, you can. You have to believe in yourself. And when the crowd is singing back your song, you know, that you built from the ground up, yeah, it's, it's pretty amazing. Um, you know, I've... It, and it is, it's, it's such a charge to get to do what we do. I thought I was going to be ready to come back in May. Yeah. Uh, the band was played uh, as part of the, the Love Loud Festival right. in, in Salt Lake. Um, and I thought, okay, well, I'll, I'll be ready. And then a couple of days beforehand, I knew, I was like, something's not right. I better not. And so I called my good buddy Stu again and said, hey, you're, you're still on deck. Uh, but I, I went, which was great to be able to see, watch my own band. You know, that's, I've never got to do that. And they did great. And we're playing the last song, which was Everybody Talks. And there's a part in the middle where the crowd thinks the song's going to come back in, but the band doesn't start. And 
the crowd ends up singing the whole thing. It happened once by accident. Oh, and man. we realized like, hey, if we do that again, like cool. they'll probably do that. And so when I saw that happening, I thought, hey, this is going to be about a minute. I could walk up there and play the rest of the song. And totally unplanned. And I told Emily, I said, I think I'm going to go up. She's like, no. I said, no, I think I'm going to go up. <laughs> and I walk back and I had a spinal tap moment for a second because I walked beyond the stairs because there's all these black curtains. And I'm like, great. Now, like, I'm going to miss the moment because I'm stuck in the curtains. But I get up there and I tap Stuart. And I think I just said, all right, give it to me. <laughs> and he has this look like, am I going to get in trouble? Like, what if you pass out? Oh, yeah. Like, like, Where's Emily at? I don't want to hurt. Did you I, get a note? I don't want you to get hurt. And I said, nah. And I said, stay up here and sing with us. And then right when the band's about to come in, I turned to him. I said, this is tuned to E flat, right? Did you imagine that? <laughs> yeah. yeah. You know, I hit the wrong note. Brandon's back. He's clearly still <laughs> sick. But I played the last two minutes of the song. And... The, uh, the, the, energy, uh, the energy rush that I had was so intense. I, I, I could barely stand after that mm. because I wasn't ready. And so it proved that I made the right choice. Um, but I, had to, I didn't think of that, like the adrenaline rush that comes from just the excitement of getting to do that um, totally would have taken me down, <laughs> you know, yeah. especially not having done it forever you know, for a long time and then getting to come back and all that. Um, so I knew, I, and, and that was proof that this is energetic, that it is something that really excites sure. me. And I just, I wasn't strong enough to handle it, man. Did you, you know? bring your guitar today? Did you I, bring no, your guitar? I, I didn't. Okay. Uh, Next time you come, we want you yeah, to we're bring it. We'll have yeah, a sing along. Yes, yeah, so, but I, I, did, I did bring... He brought the albums, though. the albums. Yes, yes. Which I'm going to play when I go yeah, home tonight. A, and this is a double. This is, you know... That's fantastic. Like, you know, it's what are some of the great double records? Like Pink Floyd, The Wall, you know, or Frampton Comes Alive. <laughs> yeah. Future Illusion 1 and 2. This is uh, Picture and Show. Picture it's awesome. Show. That's awesome. Neon entries. Everybody Talks, the track you're talking about is on this one. So everybody knows Everybody Talks, of course. Right. And lessons in love, everybody knows too. Blaine's going to hit you up with five quick questions. Oh, okay. Yep. And uh, and then we'll get you out of here. We sure appreciate you being with uh, us tonight. I, I appreciate you for. I got to go back and find me. my five quick quick questions. Here I, we was, go. I have to share one funny thing that uh, Dave hit me up about doing this, and I hadn't gotten back to him yet. He's like, "Hey, man, are you are are you alive?" <laughs> yeah. I was like, "Funny thing." <laughs> yeah. I did. I had no idea. Yeah. And then you go, uh, you know, I. <laughs> Yeah, I, just which, barely. Which you know, it's I, we have to be able to laugh at. We're those glad things. you made yeah. it, yes. hey, and we're glad you're ready to go to that show in January. So it's in Miami. Brendan and I we hang out in Miami all the time. What where's it at in Miami? Do you know? Oh, it's I, it's I, actually going to be part of uh, to launch a, a rock cruise that we're going. Oh, on. Is it on? Oh, is it's that, on a boat. Right? Uh, well, I don't know. Like the there will be like a kickoff show, and then the rock cruise will start. I've never been on a cruise before. Oh, you're going to love it. This was booked. Uh, this was supposed to happen, uh, I think, like 2021. Before COVID or something. Yeah, it got delayed. I forgot that we had it on the calendar because <laughs> it got postponed, uh, you know, like two years because they had to do the other stuff they got postponed and stuff. And all of a sudden it came up. I was like, oh, yeah, we're so doing that. There are worse places we, to be I than was, Miami in January. I was going to yeah. be in Miami tomorrow, but I had this feeling about a week ago I don't know. I'm just not feeling right about this. So I looked up the long-term forecast. It wasn't the kind of feeling it, like I shouldn't go on no, the trip. It, yeah. No, it was like it. It's. It seems like we maybe need to change this. So I get on. I get on the long-term forecast, and it just is rain every day because we had. We have a five-day break. No game this Saturday. So yeah. 
I thought, well, I'm not going to deal with rain down there. I'll just change it to Cancun. So I changed it to Cancun. We'll be flying in tomorrow morning. There's a hurricane warning in Miami tomorrow morning. Yep. Yeah, that's so, yeah, they're, they're worried about the William, weather down there. William Patterson uh, yeah. on YouTube tonight. That is January 23rd there yeah. in Miami. January 23rd in Miami. All right. Okay, here we go. Cool. Five questions. Here's your five questions. Your favorite sports movie. Favorite sports movie. Show me the money. Jerry oh, Maguire. Jerry Maguire. That's our first Maguire. That's good. Yeah, I love that one, though. Cameron Crowe. Show Crow. me the money. That's Wrote awesome. Almost Famous. Uh, did Fast Times at Ridgemont High. That's yeah. Singles. Right. It's a rock oh and roller. Married gosh. to Ann Wilson from the from the heart. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Anyways, continue. So your favorite <laughs> singer or band not called the Neon Trees or in the Neon Trees? Oh, Neil Young. Uh, Neil the Young. band would be Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Well, that's old school. Hands down. Tom Petty. That, that's, that's. I was at his last concert. No kidding. Yeah, his sound engineer uh, worked with us a lot. Yeah, he was so, great. That's cool. I love Tom Petty. To go to by his the studio way. and Neil Young. Yeah. So favorite breakfast cereal? Breakfast cereal. Yeah. Uh, Fruity Pebbles. <laughs> yes. But on, we, a, on a healthy tip, uh, Raisin Bran Crunch. If it's that no. healthy, I mean, come on. This no, because here's, here's the right. thing. On this I'm show, not even gonna write that anybody, down. anybody that comes <laughs> to the show and throws out some health cereal, we have a problem. We, okay. we have a problem so with it. it. And then it would be uh, Peanut Butter, Captain Crunch, <laughs> nice. uh, and Reese's Puffs. See, now we're talking about the right stuff. No, on, I put Fruity Pebbles on the rider. Like with our, yeah. you know, backstage where we have like all the spread and everything. Fruity and Pebbles and there's Elaine with the kombucha and, and, <laughs> a, and a, a veggie platter. And I'm like, all right, let's get the Fruity Pebbles. Make sure it's whole milk. Yeah. <laughs> if, if somebody comes on here and says plain Cheerios, I don't know what we're going to do. Like, we can't deal with that it. That might be the answer yeah. to this next question. Kellen, okay. Kellen, Kellen earlier, that was our guest on earlier, my, my oldest son, um, his was um, all berries. Crunch berries. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So. Classic. Yes, for sure. Um, favorite thing to eat before a show? Favorite thing to eat before a show? You know, I don't like to eat because um, I've, I've had this where I'll just say, like, hot dog burps. You know what that is? Oh, like, yeah. That, that's good. the easiest thing. Not to say that I eat hot dogs before shows. I did get a hot dog thrown at me once at a show. No. That was outside of the Delta Center. Must not have been an E flat or whatever. I know, right? No, no. Uh, that's yeah. Don't serve food so out. How, how long before <laughs> but, a show but do it's, you eat? Yeah, then? It's going to sing, and then all of a sudden you you know you oh, kind yeah. of belch or something. Not that it's audible; it's just uncomfortable, right? You right. know. So and you don't about, eat before a show. You no, know, but if I did, uh, you know, I like to have um, a Cliff Bar. So we have the Cliff Bars on yep. there. Uh, another thing is uh, Ritz and peanut butter. There you go. Blaine got sick uh, during one of our broadcasts years, ago, years we were, ago. We were doing a game over at Colorado State. He recommended the barbecue that they were putting out for all the media that It day. was delightful for me, not so much. I, I ate the Bam barbecue. Bams, right? yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't definitely was not Bam Bams, and, and that's our friend, so definitely not Bam yeah. Bams. But we got into the game, and we're in the middle of the game. I look over at Dave, and I go, and I got up and walked out. Like, we're in the middle of the game. Like, live show. I walk out. He's like, what's going on? The producer's in his ear. Where's Blaine? Dave's thinking, I'm on the air. I can't answer you right now. <laughs> but um, I had to throw up in the bathroom. And then they brought me a garbage can <laughs> full of about 10 liners. And for the rest of the show, every time we'd go to a break, I would just lean over and throw up in the in the pail. They'd tie it up and take it off, and we'd do the next thing. Here's the thing. When he left, <laughs> I didn't know he was coming back. And so we're in the third quarter. Yeah, he didn't know. And so, you know, as but my play-by-play guy with no analyst, yeah, right, I right. just keep talking. They go, where's Blaine? I finally hit the talk back going, he left. Is right. he coming back? I don't, I don't know. know. <laughs> While we're calling this I guy. Know. And then, then he, he shows walking up. Back, walking death. So, so ever then, since then, I have a three-hour three hour rule. Yeah, he I can't. will not eat 
anything. I, I can three enjoy hours a great meal right next to him, but he can't. He no. can't eat it. I'm yeah. just not going to risk it ever again. That was, not, that was it was a really bad experience. It was, it was, yeah. it was the, bad. the bummer about like being in a place where there is good food and something that you want, like to say I don't want to oh. eat beforehand. And places close. Like by the time we get done, sometimes the places are closed or whatever. Yeah. Like, like you know, it depends on where we are, and we can you know sometimes something's worth getting ahead of time and saving it. And yeah. So the, oh, that's why I have that sushi place in that strip mall in Vegas that we always go to when we're doing games in Tom's and Mac. Yeah, yeah, you do. It's open till four o'clock in the morning. The people in there at four o'clock in the morning are interesting, but it's great. So, okay, and this, this, we're gonna bring it all back together. Your favorite BYU sports moment? My favorite BYU sports moment, uh, of course, is Chad Lewis uh, rushing <laughs> to protect the goalpost, which is po oh, post game. That's great. Po you have a connection to Chad. Yeah. So Chad's father-in-law, Doug Fellows, uh, was the bishop of. Uh, the ward uh, that I was baptized into in Vegas. That's in awesome. Vegas, he was also the Spanish teacher at our high school. Uh, I remember actually when uh, Emily and I started dating, uh, they did a, a a school trip down to Mexico, and she actually brought back this ring. It used to have two little turquoise in it. Now there's just I don't know where the other one went, but uh, yeah, she brought this back on that trip with uh, Doug Fellows and. A uh, bunch of other kids from Vegas that awesome. were just great examples to me. So Chad Lewis running to protect the goalpost that the Utes are about that. to we, tear down. We talked to Chad about that mentality. We we've, he's been on the show with us, and and Chad's he's one of my favorite. He's yeah, one of my favorite. But I I I also have a, a love for uh, the men's volleyball, uh, especially circa ninety eight ninety nine. Yeah. Uh, my roommates, uh, oh, Casey Jennings uh, um, of Aussie Antonetti. Um, oh, Ossie Antonetti. That dude, we were talking about vertical jumps earlier in the show. Yeah, he's got um, it. Because Kellen had the second highest in the football team, Bryce. That guy, he could fly. Oh, yeah. Ossie Antonetti was like an outside hitter at like 6'1". Yeah, he, uh, he didn't have a blazer. So anytime he had something formal to attend, he would borrow a blazer from me. <laughs> yeah, that, I, nice. I, I, literally, I think he could fly. He had like a 46-inch vertical jump, something just yeah. crazy. It was, it was cool to see uh, their, the, the positive energy they would bring. Their hype song was Wild Boys by Duran Duran. Yeah, yeah. And Which I was, you, you guys, didn't you? We toured with them. You toured with Duran Duran. Yeah, they were one of my first uh, in, influences. Uh, so that was really great to That's be invited cool. by them. Uh, but I always think of that, like, you know, I guess in baseball they call it, like, your walk-up song, right? Yes. Yeah. What would your walk-up song be? Something from ACDC, probably. Yeah? Yeah. My, I'm new, it wouldn't man. affect I, my I, head. No, I, I, I can tell just, you that much. Be, I, and this isn't because it's my favorite song, but I just think it would be appropriate, My House, like, by Flo Rida. Yeah, right. Which, which was actually a song. I know the writer, Ross Golan. Do you know mm -hmm. Ross? Have you ever met Ross? He's, no, Benny, how Ross wrote this song. He was telling us the story. He and his wife were writing it, thinking that they were going to write a ballad for Adele. Mm -hmm. And as it changed over the course of the writing, it it they were like, you know, now we should do this and do this. Is we should call Flo on this one. Yeah, and they literally called Flo right on the phone and, and had him listen to it. And he's like, oh, that's going to be a number one hit. I love it. And so that's how that that song morphed. But I think that'd be a fun one to walk up, like walk out of the thing. Welcome to my house. Like, yeah, this yeah. is my house. I've done so. that. The first time we were on TV was on Jimmy Fallon. No, or sorry, I'm sorry, Jimmy Kimmel. Yeah. Sorry, the Jimmys, you know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Almost two years to the date when I said, these guys are going to be on TV. If I miss out, you know, I'm going to be myself. But uh, to get hyped up, ACDC, Shoot to Thrill. Yeah. Yeah. Because well, I, I, usually we'll say, okay, everybody, like, well, we'll have our tour manager say, everybody out, like, the band, we need to get in the zone, right? And 
hype ourselves up that like, like that moment where I was saying, Hey, you're great too. You got to believe it and get out there and do your thing. So ACDC shoot to thrill my walk up. song. that's a classic. That's an ACDC guy right that's, there. Uh, oh, yeah. Iron Man likes that song too. Um, I know we're way over time, but I got to ask you this last story because uh, you've opened for Taylor Swift. Uh, your daughter, Katie, who's now 19. Mm -hmm. When I first met her was, she was 14, I think. 2015 or whatever yep. uh and you had uh you told me a story of when uh, taylor swift became like her best friend on, on one of your stops and she's about the biggest star in the world right now so tell yeah. us that story with your daughter well it first started actually when we were on tour with duran duran uh taylor swift was also on tour and came to salt lake and played uh, and uh Emily and Katie went with and some other friends and there's a mi middle part of the show where Taylor says hey um, gets on the acoustic guitar band leaves she says hey there's a band here from Utah that I love and I want to play one of their songs she starts playing Animal because <laughs> when I because when I got done with my show I would think I was in Boston my phone's blowing up you know because everyone that was there um, and then someone from her team uh, was in the vicinity of where Emily and Katie were, found out like who they were, because uh, I had got them tickets through our uh, yeah. Fender guitar rep. Um, so they're like, oh, you have to come back and meet her and everything. She'll be so thrilled. And they said that she knew everything about the band. Really? Like oh, all wow. the factoids and stuff, like super fan, like stalker <laughs> status. I was like, whoa. No. Um, but no, like so, like so many cool things. Um, and yeah, it was just a delight. And then later we, I mean, we did a variety of things together over the next year or two um, and then ended up on tour together in Australia and yeah. New Zealand. And my family came down for that. It was my birthday. And of course, December, like going down to Australia is great. Right? Yeah, sure. Middle summer. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, so we're hanging out and, you know, and you go out to these venues and especially the big ones, they're kind of out in the middle of nowhere. You know, and so you go out and you're there, right? So, so Taylor comes through and, oh, Katie, hey, you know, like, you know, I'm here all day, you know, and like, you could just come knock on the door. I could just come hang out, you know, kind of like, whatever, you know, like just, <laughs> just totally chill, right? You know, and um, later we were playing in LA at the Staples Center and we were finished with our set and we're coming back and, and there's Taylor, I came by the dressing room. And, uh, you know, she's like, oh, where's Katie? <laughs> uh, well, she's not here, but, you know, and this is, this is where it gets really funny. Um, we had a, a friend of ours that um, was, w was coming out, and he, uh, and Katie caught on. She's like, well, what does it mean to be gay? And we're like, oh, okay, yeah, well, we can answer that. And, 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 and we said, well, you know, like sometimes you, when you get butterflies in your stomach, like when you have a special friend, like the way you might feel for, you know, with the boys are chasing you on the playground, that kind of feeling, you know, where you know, you like them more than a friend, like, you know, and sometimes it's, you know, how it is like for girls and girls or, or for boys and boys, mm -hmm. trying to keep it very basic. Right. She goes, you mean like the way I feel for Taylor Swift? <laughs> <laughs> and Emily laughs. She goes, honey, we all feel that way for Taylor Swift. <laughs> and when we told her that she was, Taylor was like rolling on the floor. Oh, that's good. Laughing, that's awesome. You know, it's uh, what a, uh, what a, what a moment. A great, a great lesson in unconditional love. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Great sure. Taylor Swift. All right. 
Well, Brendan Campbell of the Neon Trees, we wish you the best of luck as you head back out on tour and and uh, continue to mend from your from your uh, challenges. We have a Lavelle Edwards quote, which is perfect for everything that you've talked about today. Uh, we like to end the show with a Lavelle Edwards quote. Do we have Caleb Chapman ready to roll? Yes, Caleb. Gonna, Caleb, BYU ta- won Caleb the game. takes Jack, us out. We have that? With, oh, with, the, with the saxophone? Yeah, we'll play that here in a sec, I think. Jack, yeah. we have that? Um, but Blaine's going to read this quote, and it's perfect for tonight. Yeah, exactly. After what you've told us you've been through, Brandon. So, the ability we have to handle adversity will determine the degree of success that we will have in life. You've handled a lot of adversity, and you're very successful. Yes, thank you. Appreciate how you represent BYU, Utah, your faith, your family, and and we're just proud to be your friends. Oh, well, likewise. Going to make me blush here. You know? <laughs> and by the way, we do want tickets to your show when you come in. Hey, Miami, oh, yeah. the 23rd. Hey, hey, we've got basketball games. Do we have a game on down. the 23rd? We, we probably a, do. Just we, so. might, you know. we never get to travel in the winter because it's always basketball. I know. With the, the fact that I'm going this week is because they have a bye this Saturday. So. Right. With the with the Lavelle quote, it reminds me of, of one that, that I picked up uh, on my mission, and I just always stuck with me that happiness is not the absence of conflict, but the ability to deal with it. Amen. Yeah, and you know, with the, yeah, it's just, it's all about our, our our focus and still being able to to see the good, you know, and to not feel broken. What's the saying? Like the cracks are where the light shines through, right? Yeah, you know, but yeah, I uh, know you guys are great, and um, you know, it's really cool to be thought of. And bass players need love too, you know. They do. They yes, do. They do. Parker, do we have that ready? Can we play it? Here's Caleb Chapman. We play this uh, when, when BYU wins. Win. And then we played it a couple weeks ago just to remind them that, that they do win. We're convinced that's why they beat Boise State because we right. played it last Here week. it is. Caleb Chapman, the newlywed, good friend of ours. and friend of uh, mine, too. We're putting our own band together. we got a bass player and a saxophonist, so we'll just kind of see where this show goes over the next Yeah, Caleb's uh, traveled with us and played. and Talented guy. And he, yeah, actually, last time we were on, uh, well, it's not Regis. You know, we still call it Regis, right? You know, yeah, like, it'll uh, always he, be Regis. Yeah, he was with us there, you know. The stuff he's doing with, with kids and music is awesome. I spent a couple years uh, helping him out up there and working with some of the kids and we did a Beatles band and uh, we did a new wave band and stuff. And that's cool. Oh yeah. Some of them, you know, they have that raw Good talent stuff. and yeah, you know, we're going to get Elaine I'm in, sit, I'll uh, sit in, in January. I'll, I'll, I'll yeah. play rhythm. I'll play rhythm guitar. Or I can try to do the drums, but not as good as Elaine. So that's not going to be good. I'll play the volume button. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. There you go. Dave the plays faders. the radio. The faders. That's right. <laughs> Thank you for being with us. Thanks yeah, so much. Thanks man. to Kellen to Fowler with us. Uh, the podcast will be up tomorrow. We appreciate you being with us. Uh, appreciate you going to YouTube and and subscribing to us and helping us grow and whysguys.com. Hit the subscribe button. We'll send the, the email with all the highlights and 
Next week, we got David Nixon and former NASA pilot DeLewis Porter. Another great BYU alum out doing some good in the world. Hey, we're trying. For Blaine, I'm Dave. And for Brandon, and give our best to Emily and everybody. Have a super week. Enjoy the bye week for football. We're back with new show next week. Good night, everybody.